Hello and welcome to episode 296 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and if you listened to the previous week's episode, you probably know what today's topic is. But before we get too deep into that, let's introduce the panel, same as the last week, starting with Peter Treisenberg. Back by unpopular demand, it's me. No comment. And Eva Padilla. <laughs> Howdy. And Alana Hagues. Hey, y'all. And Zach Wilkerson. Hello. Peter, Eva, Alana, Zach, last week we got irrationally upset talking about uh, a list of 35 video games. Um, this is the part two of our Essential 10-2. The Essential 10 was a, 26, a, 20, whoops, a 2016 episode that we recorded for Retro Encounter where we were trying to create a top 10 list, a Hall of Fame list of most essential, most recommended, most favorite RPGs or games covered by Retro Encounter, so, you know, slipping some visual novels in there and some such. And we decided to bring it back for its five-year anniversary. Last year, last year, wow, I am, my again, I don't understand the passage of time anymore. Last week, we had a list of 35 games compiled from five top ten lists from each of the five of us. There was overlap, so it ended up being 35, then made 15 cuts to arrive at a list of 20. And today, we are going to make that list of 20 into a list of 10. I don't know exactly how we're going to do it, but we have to start with 20 and end with 10. That is the rule. And I've already broken one rule because this list, unfortunately, has 21 games. So I'm going to make an executive decision. And unfortunately, uh, I'm afraid Devil May Cry 5 has to depart the list. Boo. So Devil Boo. May Cry 5 has to leave, but Dragon Quest Eleven stays? For shame. Yeah, I, okay. Uh, all right. I'm not, not going to touch that, but... <laughs> <laughs> Let's let's go. Let's launch. But, but, because, Devil May Cry Five entered the list through uh, somewhat illicit means last episode, so unfortunately, it has to be the first cut today. Trust me, this hurts me more than it hurts you, listener. Uh, but now let's go through the actual list that we're going to deal with. In fact, you know what? I'm going to give you uh, two for the price of one. We are going to. I'm going to tell you two lists. One is our 2016 list. Those games were automatically out of the running. They are permanently enshrined as an essential 10. And then I will tell you the list of 20 finalists. Um, so the 2016 list, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, Chrono Trigger, Diablo 3, Final Fantasy 6, Kingdom Hearts, Mass Effect 2, 999, Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors, Persona 4 Golden, Steambot Chronicles, Xenoblade Counter Chronicles. Ha! Huh. And the list of 20 that we are discussing today. <clears throat> Bloodborne, Danganronpa Trigger Happy Havoc, Disco Elysium, Dragon Quest XI, Final Fantasy IX, Final Fantasy XIV, Final Fantasy Tactics, Lunar the Silver Star, Lunar II Eternal Blue, Mother Three, Nier Automata, Persona 5 Royal, Pokemon Black and White, Skies of Arcadia, Stardew Valley, Suikoden 2, Transistor, Undertale, The World Ends With You, and The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Boom. So those latter 20 are what we're going to discuss today, but first I want to... Uh, Reminisce about last week a little bit. Uh, this week I think will be a little bit shorter than last week since we're making 10 cuts instead of 15 and we're not, and we're gonna have it less structured, um, not go round by round and discuss every game in detail. Uh, but we did, uh, it, the last episode was over two hours and we started that list of 35, ended up a list of 20. Do any, does anyone have a particular, I don't know, thought, feeling, or regret from the previous episode that we can just shout out here before we start discussing for real? probably should have vetoed for drama shouldn't i at some point <laughs> well, you, that was a that was a bit of a uh disappointment for me <laughs> yeah you're the only I mean, person that didn't use your your veto but uh vetoes did save undertale transistor danganronpa and dragon quest 11 and i could have upset some people by saving breath of the wild so you know that would have been a uh, fun <laughs> thanks <laughs> <laughs> i would 
just I would just like to say that the fact that Yakuza Zero is not on this list is still a tragedy, and I feel that is not a sentiment that is um, that that has gone um, unagreed with. Jesus Christ, my words! Uh, people people like Yakuza Zero here. Yeah, I uh, that is I, you took the words right out of my mouth, Eva. Uh, if you hadn't said something, I would have because Yakuza Zero was on two people's lists, and then it got unceremoniously cut when those two people had already spent their vetoes. It was going to be my first lock, but then Zach Zach let that dream die. Although his dream of getting nine of his ten onto the list did survive. Yeah, I was gonna say like I Whoa, have no what? regrets because yeah. the last episode was a win. Zach, what the? Are you serious? I went through the list and did some statistical analysis and may have said that aloud in a strategic manner, in fact. <laughs> Zach, you know I like you, but I am coming so hard after your 9 out of 20 picks on here. That is unconscionable. Yeah, and Zach, I'm sure, is furious that The Witcher 3, his only one that didn't make the list, isn't on the list. Eh. Uh... Yeah, it was it was like it was my last last choice. So I, I didn't really care that much about The Witcher Three. <laughs> so, Peter, do you have any uh, any regrets or thoughts or ideas following the um, previous episode? Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. I guess my one regret would probably be letting Transistor live. But we can we can we can <laughs> fix that later. Okay, you didn't battle, you the... didn't you did not let Transistor live. I brought it into the top twenty through sheer force of will. Don't try me. <laughs> Uh, the battle lines are drawn in the sand, and, uh, like, I mean, okay, I enthusiastically watched the reality show Survivor for a few years in the 2000s, so Eva, do you, want, want, how about we ally a little bit, maybe help Transistor across the finish line, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, I'll do a lot for Transistor, so, so I think that might be an alliance that we'll make. Alright, alright, alright. In, informal alliance, for now, mm-hmm. uh, but... Uh, ladies and gents, I think it's time to start discussing it. Now, I, I, I want to, do we want to, uh, start out by discussing something we should cut or something that we think is a near unanimous lock? Cause there are, there are two or maybe three games that I think will make the final 10 a, a little easily. Is, is, yeah. is, is that fair? I, I think I, talking about, those two or maybe three are probably thinking of the same ones that um, are very clear okay. um, that are going to move through. All makes right. the most sense. All right. So I, I, I want to start with two of them. And um, if they are, if we decide that they're unanimously on the 10, then they, they will be the first two on the 10. But also uh, we let them through in the previous episode without really discussing them in enormous detail and in, in some detail, but not nearly uh, as not nearly to the level that we uh, for some of the ones that we were really debating. So uh, let's start with near automata. Um, yes. Near Automata was on, <laughs> was on four of our five starting lists, and the, uh, per, the fifth person deliberately let it off their list, I believe, to, you know, in, include something because they assumed that it was, it was gonna make it through. Is that, uh, am I correct in thinking that, Eva? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love this game, and I was like, yeah, a bunch of us on this panel love this game. I don't need to put it on this list. So, yeah. So yeah, um, near Automata, we d- we talked about it on Retro Encounter over two episodes in early 2020. Uh, it was my first time playing a near game seriously because uh, I, I tried played uh, the OG near for like an hour um, uh, earlier that decade, but it, it's really one of the most powerful and and uh, great action RPGs I've ever played, and it plays with the ideas of genre and the ideas of. 
um, what it is to, you know, like, like what video game journeys are, what save files are in ways that, uh, that, that were in- incredibly powerful to me. Um, uh, Zach, you joined us on those near episodes, didn't you? I did. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we're never talking near when I'm on staff that I'm not here. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like Automata is, uh, one of the other games that I think we will discuss probably slightly edges it out for my favorite game, but it's not as good as Automata. Um, I think Automata is like almost, a, I, 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 I hate to say perfect video game, but it, it does things with the form and the genre to a point that I think is incredibly important. And it's also like super fun to play. <laughs> like the platinum uh, imprint on it is really important, but it also, I mean, I've played it, you know, from front to back three times and it moves me and brings me to like a, like a sobbing mess every time. Um, because mm-hmm. I think that what it does is actually important. Um, and no other art form could do it. And, Sure, other video games do that, but not to the power and effect that Nier Automata does. Nier Automata, to me, is like the the most essential of the essential 20, I suppose, now. It will be. Yeah, I mean, just talking about how it plays through the genre, um, I was shocked at how they used visual novels and sort of text only. Or, or you could, you could even say sound novel. Like, uh, um, there are, uh, like, uh, oh shoot, like, like 428 or, uh, oh, what's that Sega Saturn sound novel that everyone's gaga about? Um, oh god, I don't oh. know. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, but I can't I, remember the name. Yeah, it's it's oh geez. If if only Rob Fenner was still around, he would he would know exactly what I'm talking about. But right. like like yeah. uh, we'll just say Radical uh, Dreamers is an example. That's sure. a sound novel, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A sound novels roughly is uh, uh, listeners is basically an early version of what we would call a visual novel today, but is even starkly more text and less and less image. Um, but but with accompanying music. Yes. Oh, wait, should be a scramble. No, 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 no. Um, that's another one. That's another one. Yeah. I, uh, but and that, that's a very good one, in fact. But no, the, I'm thinking of, an, of a different game. But uh, uh, but yeah, it uses um, it has a sound, visual novel segments, sound novel segments, uh, uh, shmup segments, which is again a top-down shooter or perhaps bullet hell, where they uh, contextualize shmups into hacking mini games. And, and parts of the game where you're entering someone's mind or uh, affecting memory somehow in, in, in ways that, like, you can tell that these are the design, or like, you could, from an auteur sense, Yoko Taro, or uh, from a group sense, the designers. Like, those are genres that the designers love and wanted to express their love for, but also they incorporate them so brilliantly that every time Nier Automata did something different, it felt like a brilliant choice. And the writing is so good, and, and the, like, the side quests are so good. And the characters are so good that it, it. I'm not sure you can play this game without getting a powerful emotional response. It's it's incredible, and I would be shocked. My, my 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 expectations were high going in, not having played one, but knowing it by reputation, and then it met or exceeded every expectation. Yeah, so, like even replaying it this year, like for the first time since it came out, was like. It was ridiculous how much my opinion had improved even since I reviewed it back in 2017. I'm like, well, hang on a minute. You gave this an editor's choice in 2017. Like, what's going through your head now? And it's just, yeah, it's just a phenomenal experience. Like, I think the writing in particular, like, I think, you know, sometimes I struggle with RPGs because they resettle on similar things and they do things in ways that I think could be better but i think automata twists this like really melancholic sad story into something really beautiful and hopeful and 
it's just does a really wonderful thing with structure and pacing and everything and like you know there are parts of it that maybe don't work but like somehow it just comes together really really well and yeah like i i know like from discussions online like most people i would say it's basically the defining rpg of the generation it's certainly action rpg but like the first rpg i think of from the playstation 4 era is near automata so oh, yeah, I, I think absolutely. it's got to be here yeah for sure like it's uh, so like like postmodernism as a genre description has kind of lost all meaning at this point but i feel like any if any game one game deserves uh to be called like a postmodern masterpiece it's near automata like that game does really incredible things with uh, game design and tropes and uh, and just plays with the audience's expectations so well. Um, all while delivering just a remarkably thematically coherent uh, story. And it's just, yeah, it's a really an incredible experience. It's probably one of the defining games of the past decade. So if we're going to be doing another Essential 10 list, then yeah, I feel like Automata has to be there. All right. Uh, again, we didn't discuss it that much in the previous episode because I felt like if, if there was a consensus game on the list, this was it. Are there any objections for having me move this to the Essential 10 list right now? Absolutely nope. not. Nope. No. All right. On the list it goes. This is great. We'll we'll be finished in ninety minutes. This this will be completely breezy <laughs> the whole way through. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, now the second game that I think is a near consensus: Final Fantasy Tactics. All right, Final Fantasy Tactics makes the list automatically. No arguments. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to argue with you on that. Oh, okay. I, mean, I, I, I will stand Tactics, and I'm guessing you mean fourteen. I I, I did I stand, mean fourteen. I, I, I uh, would stand Tactics, except it's in. It's in good company. All oh, right, Final Fantasy Tactics. We'll have a discussion later this episode, but we are talking about Final Fantasy fourteen. It was the other game that was on four people's list uh, lists. I was the only person that didn't have it on a list, and that's not because I don't love FF fourteen. It's because I wanted to sneak in a different Final Fantasy game on the list instead. Uh, FF fourteen is if if RPG fan the website, the whole staff, the whole community has a signature game. It's probably FF fourteen. Uh, FF14 or one of its expansions have won Game of the Year on the website twice and finished second a third time. Um, and uh, I, all, all five of us are FF14 players in various stages of our obsession. And uh, it, it, it's, it, it's brilliant from a world building, from a writing, from a character, from a game design standpoint. Like, if I were taught talking about my favorite boss battles that I've done over the past five or six years of RPGs, like several of them would be in FF14. And that's just, again, one tiny candle on the beautiful cake that is FF14. Uh, let, let's talk about it some more. Who who has FF14 um, feelings to share? Um, I mean, just I'm from, I'll just talk briefly about like the narrative standpoint. Um, this is, it's such an incredible game in the way it spins its story. Um, and some of the characters I think are some of the, um, most expertly written I've ever seen. Um, in particular, the character of Ardbert. I won't really go into too many spoilers around this character, but, um, Ardbert is a character that can only exist within the, um, narrative structure of 
Final Fantasy XIV as well as the broader sort of meta commentary that it's trying to tell. Like, you can have Ardbert in a regular JRPG and he'd be a good character, he'd be fun. But what makes him so incredible is the context of the kind of um, the terrible launch of fourteen, leading to this eventual rise to having millions upon millions of people playing it. Um, so for things like that alone, for its just such unique qualities within an MMO, I think it should easily be on this list. It, now, uh, I, I want to talk about Ardbert for just a minute. Um, it would take three full paragraphs to properly explain who and what Ardbert is to the uninitiated. But uh, he appeared in the opening cinematic to 2010 FF14 launch, then was a villain in uh, part of the post-game in 2015's Heaven's Word, so, so maybe in 2016. And then he was a very important NPC, and now maybe one of the most beloved NPCs in the whole game, uh, following uh, the events of Shadowbringers, and, and again in 2019 and 2020. Uh, and just talking about his relationship to his buddy Seto, with, like, like, uh, like, had, uh, is... Would make me want to, you know, read an entire or play an entire new game about Ardbert and Seto. It's a FF14 is just such an incredible selection of characters in this game. Yeah, I mean, as as the person who probably has spent the most time in current end game, I, I mean, it, it's. I think the thing that's remarkable about it is that like there's really nothing about the game that it doesn't do really well and accessibly. Um, because obviously, like, anytime, like, uh, I know Eva shares a similar story. Like, the first time I logged into this game, I was like, oh my gosh, there is way too much going on here. <laughs> but after, like, I don't know, three, four hours, like, I, I had, like, a pretty good understanding. And, like, there are things that I still pick up now, um, a year and a half into playing it basically every day. But, I mean, I think that it arguably has the two best Final Fantasy stories. Um, I think that uh, something we just mentioned is the only thing that it really compares, personally, uh, which is Tactics. Um, but Heaven's Word and Shadowbringers, both phenomenal. Uh, but like, man, it's those boss fights and that music. Oh, <laughs> um, like I, I, I agree with you about the boss fights. Like I think that the 5.3 trials, phenomenal. The 3.3 ones, all the four Lord trials are just fantastic. I, I, I love um, four Lords and, uh, and warring triads so much yeah, that those, yeah, like, it's just like a, it's a cornucopia of like, Love of the genre, love of the series, and it's the most important series, at least in America, for RPGs, and it distills what we love about it so well, but it also brings its own narrative tax to it. It, it. it does it does so many things so much better than other video games that it's almost shameful. <laughs> um, it's it, it's it's amazing. Um, and, like, I, I have nothing left to do in that game, and I still log on almost every day. I'm like, oh, I'll go run a dungeon today. Why not? Like, I don't really need to. Um, but um, I still do. Um, because it's, it's like my comfort food and it's also, uh, my brain food and it's also like, like it's as difficult as you want it to be too. Like MSQ is not hard. Um, you don't, but, you don't, you don't do your roulettes to try to get every job up to level 80 to try to get that Amaro mount? Is, or is, I, it, is that just I'm me? Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm lazy. I don't really like setting up my controller hot bar over and over again. <laughs> um, although it's not hard, uh, which is also nice. Uh, I'm just, it's just time consuming. But the point is like, I, I think 14 is the quintessential MMO. It's in some ways the quintessential Final Fantasy. Um, I think that makes it belong on the list. And uh, looking at the previous list, the 2016 list, there is only one Final Fantasy and zero MMOs on that list, unless you very, very generously interpret Diablo 3 as an MMO. So I, I think, <laughs> I, I, I mean, FF14 has 
carved its position. I think uh, Alana and Peter, have you have you popped off yet on FF14? Not yet. No, I did a little bit last episode, but like, yeah, Eva and Zach have basically covered everything. And like, even as someone who has, like, I only came back like six months ago at this point now, and like, I'm in the middle of Shadowbringers MSQ, like 5.0 roughly. Um, the stuff with Seto, I literally did the day before recording. So Oddbert in particular is very, very, very special right now, and Seto as well. But like. Yeah, like, the the amount of attachment I have to that game within such a short space of time is ridiculous, and, like, I've still got tons to do. I'm 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 very tempted by the Amara mount. I'm like, no, I can't level up a healer as well, because I can't even tank right now. Like, I'm just yeah. terrified of it. But I know that people would do it. Like, I know that people would let me do stuff like that. And, like, it's easy to pick up. Like, people are really friendly. I think I mentioned the community last week, actually, just how, like, really good they are, and, like... Yeah, like, I, I, I haven't had a bad experience since coming back. Like, I had a few four or five years ago when I used to play originally, and that, like, put me off coming back. But, like, coming back this time was, like, completely, like, all those things you told yourself about, like, they're not true. And, yeah, I, 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 I'm so glad I came back. Like, it's it's been the best thing I've done this year, and it's my favorite thing I've done this year is play Final Fantasy fourteen over and over again. Like... I love it. And you were talking about tactics and boss fights. How's that uh, Thunder God Sid fight in uh, Old oh, Monastery? Man. Oh, it's so good. I die oh, every wow. time and I, I love was, it. I was thinking of uh, turn eight in the Eden Raids where oh, you where, uh, where, where, where you fight a, uh, a an ice-themed boss and there's a, oh, mo- yeah, there's a moment of character drama uh, when the boss is around 5% or 10% health that just oh. – that oh, the, the ice freaking crap. Oh. Oh, yeah, oh, and and yes. the and the sound and the the song that plays during that is a oh, is a suck. is a new is a twisted up arrangement of a song from 20, uh, 2014 or twenty fifteen that uh, that that inverts some of the chord progressions <laughs> and uh and and patterns of the original version. It's 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 crazy. Like someone will write doctoral dissertations on either the soundtrack or, soundtrack or the na- narrative of this game because it's it, it's it's just so unbelievably good. Yeah, I, it I, it's uh, it, it's essential. <laughs> All right, are are we ready to uh, lock it in? Speak up now, or forever hold your peace. Do it. Go for it. Uh, no objections. So, oh, whoops. Okay, I pressed the wrong button. Now it's locked in. No All objections. Right. Like it's like the opposite of playing a Phoenix Wright game. All right. <laughs> Okay, now it gets a little bit more complicated because there are very popular, very loved games in the remaining 18, but I don't think any of them are consensus like these two. So I'm going to leave it up to the floor. Uh, suggest either a lock or a cut right now. And we'll, we'll uh, j- just, an, again, we're not, we're not setting anything in stone yet other than those two. Uh, throw something out there. Lock from other three. Hmm. Lock um, from other three. I, I, I'm going to have to support that. Um, it's on my list, first of all. But <laughs> second of all, I I think that it is narratively rich in a way that, in some ways, like it's emotionally rich in a way that Automata is not. It, it's It does some really interesting things with turn-based combat. It is such a powerful statement about like capitalism and... <laughs> Um, the ways in which people are used, but also our connections to each other in spite of those things. I, I mean, I think that, that it's important. I think it's an important game. 
I'm, I'm going down the list seeing if there are eight games I would put ahead of Mother 3. Yeah, that's my problem. And, like, yeah, I absolutely agree. Like, Mother 3 is one of the best games I've played in the last five years. Um, yeah, it's got that personal touch that I really adore in video games. Um, and it deals with grief in really sensible, mature ways, um, which I really love. But... And, and it deals. I, I'm not good at being committed to stuff. Like. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's it's, it's all right. We're, this is this whole episode is a, is a discussion. Uh, yeah. And and it deal it deals with like ha- sort of high high level big brain themes. I mean big brain literally and not and not in jest. Uh, like um okay. l- like capitalism and environmentalism and grief and loss in in ways that are that are really awesome and it does so with an aesthetic that is you know similar to earthbound kind of kind of like um like clean sprites drawn in crayon you, you know what i mean like peanuts isn't yeah, it yeah yeah like, 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 what we compared it to yeah I, I, I think i um this is not my metaphor but the the, the thing i've always heard of to describe earthbound is uh again not this game but its predecessor um the cthulhu mythos mixed mixed with the charlie brown and snoopy show um and and I think in, in, in like a peanuts aesthetic with these uh, with with a lot of of darkness and complexity in its narrative and scene, I think Mother Three is awesome. But again, if I was trying to make a, a list of eight that I want, Mother Three either isn't on it or finishes eighth is is kind of my feeling. So I I actually I am I am I'm halfway on Mother Three, but I am leaning towards supporting it. I think even though I did battle it a little bit in the previous episode. Uh, uh, Pete, Peter think, or Eva? Oh, go ahead, Eva. Yeah, so I mean with I, – I think especially with the aesthetic, um, it makes the, the heartbreak and tragedy of it. It kind of – it's kind of remind, reminds me of um, kind of these painted clown faces that are just kind of oozing out tragedy. Um, so it's like just some of the most devastating things – ever seen in a video game presented with a smile. And that's a lot of, and I think that's so emblematic of um, kind of the, not to get too into the politics, but you have me here, so you know that's going to happen. Um, <laughs> the, the, the capitalist structure where it's like, where you have these products and you have um, this wide assortment of choices, quote unquote, of uh, products with which you can consume. And it's all brought to you with a smile, but it's built on the back of an oppressed class or multiple oppressed classes. And I feel like Mother 3 does this and so many other articulations of um, a capitalist structure so well um, from a um, environmental standpoint, from a racialized standpoint. I think it's I think it's really good. Um, and it's one of the most coherent critiques I've seen of it, not just in a video game, which mm-hmm. it is the best I've seen in a video game, but in just about any other media. I mean, when Lucas returns back to the town in Mother 3, it is such a haunting, uh, powerful portrayal of a community that's moved from more collectivist mentality to this sort of individual um, society built on capitalist intentions. I think it's extremely important for people to play this game in any which way that they can. Right. And I think that what makes it maybe even more remarkable to me is that it never comes off as like polemic. Like it, it feels no. mm-hmm. right. like so baked into the narrative and like, it, and there's no way that I think anybody could play this game no matter how, I don't know, capitalism loving they are. 
um, and not see the logic in what it's doing. Like, I, I don't think anybody would be like, what, 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 play this game and be like, oh, that doesn't seem realistic. Like, no, I, I think that outside of like, I don't know, someone being like really possessed. I mean, like, outside of that, like, from a, a psychological perspective and a sociological perspective, I think everybody would view this game as giving you a realistic portrayal of what would happen under these circumstances. And actually, I think like sometimes it doesn't punch quite as hard as it could with like things like TV and things like that. But I think that where it needs to punch hard, it does. And it makes its point so well, while also being like so beautifully grounded in the stories of these people. Um, but, Zach, but Zach, if you want a, a story that's cri- that's critical of uh, capitalism and has a lot of very hard punching, let me direct you to Zyakuza <laughs> Zero. Hey, yeah. thank you. I don't want to come in. But you know, <laughs> the combat's way better in Mother 3, so... I, I, okay, I'm not going to comment on that, but <laughs> one, one piece of Mother 3... Zyakuza is dead. Long, long <laughs> that, so. One piece of Mother 3 combat that I thought was... Uh, maybe my favorite part of the whole game is the final battle between Lucas and the masked oh. boy, oh, which so is, I mean, you want to talk about a, a confrontation that will bring tears to your eyes. Uh, we've already talked about Nier Automata and Final Fantasy fourteen quite a bit. Uh, that, th- that final battle is little more than timed attacks, defenses, and heals, but holy crap, the, the context of it and the drama of it and the dialogue around it is it, again one of the most memorable final bosses uh, in my in my memory. Full stop. I mean, and Earthbound did a great job with their final boss too, but I actually think this because it's so much more personal um, mm-hmm. makes it more more moving. And and it, well, and also Mother Three uh, for that final battle, it's an RPG as RPG. For for Earthbound, you're basically uh, triggering a set of cutscenes, mm-hmm. and and yeah. the, the cutscenes are powerful and cool. But in Mother Three, it's like no, you have to do RPG things to survive, like you're fighting Dragon Lord's true form in Dragon Quest One. And but it also has the this incredible uh emotional thrust that it's uh that I, I really, really don't want to spoil, so I'm not I'm not gonna go into more detail. But uh I, again um but when uh, in the last episode, I sort of was battling against Mother Three being on the list because there was other games I cared about more, but those games are gone, mostly gone, in- including Yakuza Zero. So I I'm leaning towards putting this on the list. Uh, uh, Peter, you've been a little quiet. Um, you've you've played Mother Three, right? No, I haven't. That's okay. why I'm being quiet. My, I my bad. I still, no, no, you're good. It's uh, you know, it's one of those things that I would I would I really want to play it at some point, but you know, too many games. But uh, that is, but that's why I'm like, I don't really have an opinion either way on this one. Um, I feel as though if you guys all feel strongly enough about putting it on the list, that's a good lock. Um, I'm looking at the list and seeing stuff I would probably be more interested in seeing on there, but that's, you know, neither here nor there. I don't have anything against it. Uh, let's not lock Mother 3 yet. Um, I, I think it is a very strong contender right now, but uh, l- let's add a couple more uh, games to the... Uh, two or three or four people really care a lot about this game list before we start moving things into more locks. Uh, is, is everyone all right with that? Yeah, and I, sure. I have my next, which I think might have been your third choice when you're two or three that might go forward. <laughs> uh, it, it's definitely one of two games, but uh, go ahead, Zach. I think Sweden 2 belongs in the list. Um, okay, that, that was one of my guesses. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I think what I think three of us had it on the list. Um and to me, Suikoden 2 is, in terms of turn-based RPGs, it's unsurpassed. It's it's my favorite RPG, but that's, that's not necessarily a good vote for it. But I think that what it does with 
character and what it does with um, the ability to like show people's connections through, you know, differing um, political viewpoints and differing like, ways of living life, I think is really important, um, particularly in our current um, times. But I also think that it's, first of all, like the combat is so snappy and so fun. Um, it's de a delight to build up that castle. It's still my favorite castle in, in Suikoden. Um, it, it is, I think, by far the best of one of the most essential series of RPGs. It's got, I think, the best villain in our all RPGs, Luca Blight, um, I think is, it is not even the best part of the game, which I've said probably ad nauseum, but, um, I think that Suikoden 2 moves me and compels me in ways that, even Automata doesn't, um, and it's a game that I will continue to play over and over and over again, and there's not a single person I know who I wouldn't say, like, hey, go play Suikoden 2. I played Suikoden 2 for the first time in 2018. It was the first time I made a sincere effort to finish a Suikoden game, although I had tried 1 and 3 already by then. Uh, and it, it, it frankly blew me away. Like, it, this is a game with hundreds of characters, over a hundred of which join your team, literally. And I won't say every one of those 108 is, is brilliant. Like, some of them are just, you know, a blacksmith that's marginally better than the previous blacksmith. But, <laughs> but uh, so many of them are, either have a, a super fun recruitment quest, or are a key cog in this brilliantly, uh, uh pol like politically charged story that's maybe the, the, the sort of the coolest, Im uh, implementation of sort of nation level politics in any RPG on this list. Maybe FF14 is as good. Uh, and, and, and even though it's this huge cast and, uh, is about, you know, warring nations, there are moments of cleverness that are incredibly memorable. Like, 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 uh, Oh shoot, uh, Zach and Alana. I, I'm gonna forget different character names and nation names, but like the moments where those two orders of knights all throw their badges on their ground, Zilda? on the ground. Oh, oh, so good. Yeah, 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 because, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah exactly. Because because uh, because they're abandoning their uh, their their jerk of a king for a, a better cause, or uh, everything that happens between um, uh, Rio and Joey in the uh, in sort of the last in, in like the last act of the game. And, uh, the whole game, really. Like, they're the core of that game, really, and an mm -hmm. army as well. Like, you know, there's this huge war going on, and, like, yeah, it, it, like, it really drills, like, it really, really nails community. And, like, you were saying, like, there are small cogs in this cast that, you know, don't have as much of a role to play, but everyone's got a personality. And that is just a community. There are some smaller members in every community that are vital to keeping the cogs spinning, right? And that's exactly what Sweden and Two does. Like, that castle mate is only as complete as the people who are in it. And, you know, that's why everybody has a different role to play, whether they're in combat or not. But, like, yeah, it's that main trio. Like, I had perceptions before going into Suikoden 2 that it would just be this game that covers, like, a pretty broad, like, spectrum of, like, uh, politics of war and things like that. But no, I didn't realize that actually it was about these three kids who have spent their lives together and are suddenly torn apart because two people have different views and want to tackle the situation differently. And I, I can't sit there and judge either side because, like... Mm -hmm. You know, I love Joey and Rio is like doing the right thing, but Joey is also doing, you know, it's reasonable what he's doing. Like, I get it. And I, I, I'm so conflicted and tormented. 
that I just I don't know like like with they are the heart of that game and I think they they are what makes it really special and like people don't sell it as a character RPG and it totally yeah. is yeah like you think of Suikoden too or I'll I'll go into my um into my views on what Suikoden was and what Suikoden two was before I started playing it I, I knew it was a game where you recruited 108 characters and it was about Nate it was, and it was about a war so I, I figured it was going to be you you know sort of large scale. Uh, groups of characters fighting each other, kind of, kind of like ogre battle or something. Um, but it, it really is character driven with these three character, these three main characters, two of which, um, become rising stars on opposite sides of the war, and both, and both of them want basically the same outcome, but with totally different methods. And the third character is just completely gutted that her two favorite people in the world are, are fighting and might kill each other. Okay. Um, I, I think that it's ultimately like, like it, it, not as much as Automata, maybe, but like it, it's deeply humanistic, um, mm-hmm. in ways that I think are really important and really beautiful. And um, the fact that it's like just like incredibly fun and quick and snappy to play, I think is really important. But Eva, I know you played this game. What do you think? Oh yeah. Oh my, my bad, Eva. I'm sorry. Oh no, it's cool. I um, I mean, I don't really have much to add to what y'all are saying about it. It is a game that um doesn't really play to a whole lot of um my sensibilities in terms of aesthetics or narrative or setting, and yet I still think it deserves a spot on this list. So I think like that's probably the most that I can contribute is that this is a game that isn't like trying to appeal to anything that I like really, really adore in a game, and yet I still um thought it was an excellent game that deserves to be one of our essential ten. Oh, and yeah. uh, one minor aside: uh, if there's any game on this list that I insist you, the, the, the person who has not played this game, play with a guide, it's this one because be, because it's I think it's cru- I think it's sort of crucial that you uh, recruit everyone and and see the best available ending because it, oh I, well, I mean there's no endings at stake here, but like there's another game on this list that relies on recruitment and base building, Mike Felosi. But yeah, um, just to butt in really quickly, this also won our best PlayStation RPGs episode on Retro. It did, yeah. Uh, that was what early 2020 or late 2019. I like a country mile uh, too, yeah. didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was. There was there was four people on that panel, including three of us, and it was the, and it finished first or second on every person's list. It did. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think that what Eva's saying is important too. Like it's. The fact that it like it appeals to me aesthetically and also from a gameplay perspective, in all the ways, it's why it's my favorite game. But um, it, it, I just think it's it, it, it almost like perfects the the '90s formula of RPGs in ways that I think is really important. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, think it's I, great. Yeah, I can't think of many. I mean, the PlayStation One was a really great era anyway. But like, there aren't many other RPGs outside of Final Fantasy, maybe that are as quite as universally loved as Suikoden 2 from such a broad spectrum of people as well. Like, it's it's kind of incredible how much support this series has got. Like, almost more than any other series. Like, I know the Breath of Fire stuff does, like, really well and stuff, but, like, any time you mention Suikoden, anywhere, like, this flock of people come out and it's like, oh my gosh, like, especially now with Ayudin coming in 2023. Oh, like, you stole my heart. Yeah. 
It, it, it <laughs> You've was, got an extra few months to wait now. Like. Yeah, not only did it win our uh, best PS1 game episode uh, or top 10 PS1 games episode, it was the most requested game for us to play on the podcast for the first three years or so of yeah. the podcast being around. Someone mm-hmm. named Zach Wilkerson may have emailed retro at RPGFan.com. Possibly. So possibly. Play, <laughs> Right before I started. Okay, I I don't I don't think I want to lock it in yet, but it is definitely not getting cut at this time. We but we have sixteen more games to talk about, so uh, l- let's move on. Um, uh, so, someone else um bring a game to the forefront, w- whether you think it's a suggestion to for a yes or a suggestion to cut. Um, I have my possible suggestion for a lock would be Pokemon Black and White. Huh. All right now. I'm conflicted here because um, Pokemon Gen 5, I think, is my favorite uh, generation of Pokemon just playing through the game. And, uh, but, uh, I, I mean, what makes it essential that I, you couldn't put any other Pokemon game here? So, no, I mean, <laughs> I mean, yes, and, but, um, so, okay, uh, Part of my rationale is that I do really want a Pokemon game on the list. So, in that case, um, you're right. You could probably put any of those games on here, and it would probably be equally valid. Um, in Black and White's case, though, however, I think that game, more than anything else, than any other game in the series, is just... It really excels at that sort of... The design sensibilities of the time that it was released in. So this is right before they transitioned into full 3D. Um, but after, but they decided to stop using like those really static sprites from, uh, the previous generations. So you have these like really gorgeous pixel art for all of the Pokemon. Um, and the, in general, the aesthetics of Gen 5 are just, to me, when, that's like the first thing I think of when I think about the Nintendo DS. Mm-hmm. Like, that aesthetic is really what sells it for me. Um, and in general, too, just as a Pokemon game, um, Unova's a really fun setting. It has a really, really great selection of characters across, even in the sequel. Um, I really like Charon and Bianca. I really like all the gym leaders. And how they kind of get together at the end. And the fact that they basically filled in an entire regional Pokedex. They added this new regional Pokedex of 150 brand new Pokemon. It really recaptures that experience from the first generation where everything you encounter is something new. And you can't really rely on your old favorites. you got to kind of figure out what these new Pokemon are and really get to know them. And as a result, I have much stronger affinity for Gen 5's Pokemon than the new Pokemon in a lot of other Gens. Because I can't just, oh, well, I already know that Tyranitar is good. I'm going to put Tyranitar on my party. Like, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I, I'm going to use this, uh, this weird mole-looking thing. Um, Excadrill. Because Excadrill is awesome. My, my beautiful steel boy. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I mean, you're talking about, uh, things that this did differently from previous generations and it's really good cast of characters. How dare you not mention N yet? 
the right. Messiah-like figure oh, whose, yeah. whose dream is to free all Pokemon from captivity, <laughs> which is a, a, about as brilliant as, uh, and as subversive a main villain as they've ever had in in Pokemon. Although, although oh, he, yeah. uh, the exact circumstances of the final encounter of the game change a little bit after uh, w- w- with what's going on between the main character and N. Uh, again, this is what it's it's i think it's maybe the most interesting pokemon game for the uh for the bold uh decisions it makes in the story and by not bringing back any pokemon from the previous gens until the post game i think that pokemon black 2 and white 2 have a better post game because the pokemon world tournament is dope but uh and uh, and black and white don't they don't give you a ton of stuff to do after you beat the game but as a, as a standalone pokemon journey it is fascinating uh I I don't I, I I don't know if I want it in the ten though. I think there are definitely um eight games other than near and FF fourteen that I would put ahead of it. It's so hard because like actually I've had this question asked me before. Like someone's like if someone's if if someone has never played a Pokemon game, like what would you recommend? And like Sun and Moon has come up as a thing, but like I think Black and White is a really good starting point as well because actually if you're someone who plays like RPGs and you've never played a Pokemon game, then one of the things I miss from Pokemon, and it's probably a stupid thing because, like, you know, who plays Pokemon for the story? But actually, I almost compare Gen 6, 7, and 8 all the time to Black and White. And Black and White is, like, maybe my second favorite gen. Like, my favorite gen is probably technically Gen 2, but, like, the remakes of Gold Silver. Like, they're my two favorite games. But, like, mm, yeah, Pokemon Black and White has a story, and it's not, like, incredible, but I think it's really, really interesting. I love, like, my interest in the series have changed over the years, and, like, the way that Pokemon are integrated into the world, the way that people interact with them, the way that they're treated, um, the ecology and the um, ethics and things like that come up. Um, but also, like, Peter already said this, like, Gen 5 is like, nope, these are 150 new Pokemon, you have to use these. That's it. And and the way I play Pokemon anyway is that I will never use a previous Gen Pokemon unless it's got, like, a brand new evolution per Gen, so, like, it wasn't a problem for me when it was a big complaint when it first came out. It's not a complaint anymore because the Pokemon fan base are a fickle group of people. Oh, Um, yeah, a little bit. That's putting it mildly. Yeah, but, like, um... There are, there's lots of really interesting designs there, and I think, like, the animated sprites really help, obviously, because I think they were slightly animated in Platinum. They just started then, and then Black and White was where they, like, evolved that, and they were fully, like, animated and had so much more personality. But yeah, like, <laughs> it's I- hard, because, like, Pokemon is an RPG, but, like, recommending it to somebody who likes RPGs it's really hard sometimes. This is probably the one I would go for in most cases, and I love it. But, like, in the same way, like, I, I'm more confident in putting Mother 3 on the list and 100% more confident in putting Sweet 2 on the list than I am Black <laughs> and White. I love Pokemon Black and White. Like, second favorite, maybe joint favorite gen. But, like, we're, we're like, it's the 20 games, like, the two definites, and then other than the couple that are my exclusives, like... It's uh, it's going to be a tough one. And I think part of the reason I like Black and White uh, uh, so much is that because I had played four previous generations of Pokemon, or or uh, more, depending you know on how you would line up the re- the remake. So I had played I had played let's say six Pokemon games with dozens of hours into each, and then Pokemon Black and White's really awesome changes and ideas and concepts. 
uh, were that much cooler from from how from how it was a di- like for how it was a disruptor in a way. And and I and but as a stand like and as a standalone Pokemon game front to back, I think it's great. But I think that part of why I like it so much is because it, of my history with Pokemon. So I'm not I don't know if I would recommend it as the first Pokemon game to a new player or even an RPG fan who hasn't played a Pokemon game. I would I would I would probably say Heart Gold Soul Silver. Or uh, or Sun Moon or maybe even Let's Go Eevee or Pikachu ahead of Black and White. Okay, so that's a lot of Pokemon discussion uh, that uh, we, we didn't go quite in, as deeply into last week. But I, I think for now we're gonna hold Pokemon Black and White to a maybe spot. Uh, it's not deemed essential yet, but uh, let's move on to something else. Uh, Eva or Lana, do you have a suggestion? Oh, um. Yeah, I'll throw something in that I didn't actually put on my list, um, but I think is an essential part of RPG fan history. Uh, Luna the Silver Star. Oh, yes. I want to maybe put it for consideration for the... I am going to move Lunar, the Silver Star, and Eternal (laughs) Blue to the list, and my proposition is either Eternal Blue makes it or neither of them do. Because Lunar 2... Lunar 2 is a better video game than Lunar 1 in every respect, and I think that for... uh, I cannot corroborate. And, 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 uh, hold on a second, it does reflect RPG Fan's history, as RPGFan.com used to be LunarNet.com, and, uh, but also, I don't want to give Zach any more treats because <laughs> because wow. you're giving me a treat bitter much uh, bitter right? yes petty yes and revenge for Yakuza 0 yes <laughs> okay so in all seriousness here's the thing I think that one of the two Lunars should be on this list um, and I would be happy if Eternal Blue made it instead of the Silver Star but I think Silver Star's for a, com- a complete or whatever version you're looking at. I think the PS1 version is like sort of the definitive version of Silver Star. Um, is I disagree with you. The better video game. Um, I, I, I like the characters better in Silver Star Story. Um, I like Kyle and Jessica's interplay. Jessica in particular, I think is just incredible. I, I do think that the main characters. Like romance story in Eternal Blue is better uh, with Lucia, um, but I, I think that there is a certain spirit of like innocence and joy and like just like pure Saturday morning cartoon beauty that Silver Star Story Complete captures in a way that I don't think Eternal Blue does. Um, at least if we're looking at like the PS One versions. If we're comparing Sega CD versions, I think that Eternal Blue is like clearly a clearly superior. But um, I, I just think that there's like a there's like a magic to Silver Star Story Complete that I think is important and makes it superior to Eternal Blue. But I do I would be ecstatic if either Lunar Game made the list because I think that one of the two of them is like essential for a particular genre and type of RPG that is, like, incredibly important to the genre. Like, Tales doesn't exist without Lunar coming first. Um, I, I think it's I think it's important. I also think that Lunar is important and that both of these games possess a sort of a, a spirited 90, early 90s anime innocence that, uh, that a lot of other RPGs um, don't capture the same way, but 
I, I think that Ron Farr and Gene and Leo are better than the entire supporting cast in Lunar 1. And Lunar 2 <laughs> has had better quest design and dungeons than Lunar 1. Like, Lunar 1, even on the, the, the better PS1 version, is kind of miserable to play through nowadays. There are a few almost unforgivably grindy or poorly designed dungeons or bosses. And, and I when I replayed both of these games in, oh, geez, I think either 2017 or 2018... Um, like, like Lunar 1 was way less fun than Lunar 2, and Lunar 2 does the first, at least the, uh, the, com- the complete version, I'm not sure if this is true in the, uh, sec- in the Sega CD version, it has maybe my favorite epilogue in any RPG, because it... Oh, it the, the epilogue <laughs> is retained between yeah, the two of them. It's oh, the okay, good. But it, it, that, it is, um... Like allowing to uh, revisit most of the world in new contexts and sort of complete two super dungeons to g- obtain a better ending, and also make uh, um, uh, ma- give you sort of your 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 complete team of five for the first time in the whole game because for most of the game uh, uh, there's sort of one character you can't control and the rest of the cast comes and goes, but you, you sort of get your your true final party in that in that uh, in that epilogue like. I think Lunar Two is just more fun than Lunar One, and it and uh, I would if I were to replay any Lunar game, it would be Lunar Two every time, and it also gives you the context of why the world's called Lunar in the way the first game doesn't. Uh, it, it, I just I, I just think it's better straight up, and I would not mind a Lunar game being on the Essential Ten, but I think it should definitely be Eternal Blue and not Silver Star. Oh, I wish I'd played two at this point. I'm like two thirds <laughs> of the way through the Silver Star story. Um, or Silver Star story complete, I guess. Um, yeah, like, I, again, I think you made up a good point, Zach. Like, Tales couldn't exist without Lunar, but like, obviously, I mean, obviously, like, the, the spiritual successor, Grandia, wouldn't exist. And like, there are so few RPGs ever that just have this, like, real romantic adventure spirit. I could, again, Think of another game on this list that maybe I might put, have already referred to once today about maybe, adventure. <laughs> maybe we should put that game um, on the list instead of either of these two. I mean, that should be number one of the ten, obviously. Nah. Like, <laughs> but like, um, yeah, it's. I'll be honest; I've not had any problems with the bosses so far in Lunar. The grinding, yes, to a degree. Yeah, the dungeons it, it, aren't yeah, it's, brilliant. It's, it's really just the sewer, and then the uh, the science field, maybe, and then the the water dragon cave, maybe. Oh, I thought the War Dragon Cave was fine. I mean, um, I guess I'm, you I'm just, just want to go in and out of Warpath. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm just vaguely remembering my the, when I played through this game a couple of years ago. But I, I... Yeah, but like, I think for like, because obviously the original Lunar is like uh, Silver Star. Um, was it 91 or 92? 93 maybe? Yeah, um, so like, it doesn't feel like that in some ways. Like, it does in other ways, but I think there is... I think it captures a really essential spirit that I don't think many other games have done since. Um, but and yeah, I obviously think, I haven't played two. <laughs> I, and I, I think if we're comparing the two, and I think that you and I, Mike, are never going to agree on like what the better <laughs> Lunar game is. <laughs> There's no Probably way. Because um, I'm strongly of the other opinion, but I think that the thing that distinguishes it, even if we're just talking, talking about like a difference of opinion, like if we're talking about the Silver Star, um, is like the the cutscenes are like unique and important, and they it, the Silver Star like Silver Star story did it first, and I personally think it did it better. Um, and I think it's like more unique and more beautiful. And I think I have some massive problems with the narrative in Eternal Blue. 
um, that I don't want to spoil for anybody <laughs> who's currently on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but I, I think there are some things about it that I think are patently ridiculous and like moments that are supposed to be emotional that I think are just stupid in Eternal Blue. And I can't say that about Silver Star Story. It, it better not be anything to do with Ron Farr or Gene. No, of course not. No, okay. It, okay. Okay. <laughs> the fact that I can't say it should give it away. Sure, sure. Or the, 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 the uh, I should say, the seventh main character, Mystere. Uh, yeah, um, I, I still haven't figured out what that yeah, guy's deal is. Yeah, me either. That's a, that's a mystery that will endure till the end of time. <laughs> oh, um, I, I think the combat is just as good. If you're like comparing the two PS1 versions, uh, the combat, I actually think that like the PS1 version of Silver Star Story Complete is like a more fair challenge. Lunar 2, because of literally one boss fight in the Sega CD version, they made it too easy in the PS1. They strip out so much of the character of that game um, that I think was important in the Sega CD version. I think that if I was going to recommend one Lunar game, it will be Silver Star Story Complete because it has it is more complete, in my opinion. <laughs> and I also just think it's more magical. Um, and I think it's more important from like a an RPG perspective. I, I I don't I really don't know. I think that Lunar Two, like, hits the cycle, like like uh sort of raises a uh raises a conflict, resolves the conflict, and then and then fixes the less satisfying parts of the ending in ways that uh that make it more satisfying than Lunar One to me. And I don't think any character in Lunar Two is as annoying as Nash. And uh, regarding the combat, but I, I kind of love Nash. He grows I, up. He's growing up where I, I am. Yeah, yes, I find Nash frustrating until uh, until he improves. But but and still, I think the combat is significantly better in Lunar Two because just you know characters have more than eight skills and like, there's more efficacy and and tricks that you can play around with in Lunar Two. Like uh, um, and every character feels different in a way that. In Lunar One, it, it, it's it's like, like like what is Kyle good for other than some meathead uh, power attacks that Alex kind of also has. What uh, is it, Leo good for except for what Hero can do? Um, <laughs> Earth <laughs> element versus wind element, and both of them have eight moves instead of four, and uh, and his attacks are significantly different other than a few of like the single target stuff. But in terms of like what's actually useful, I guess. I, yeah, I, I understand your point. <laughs> but I, I, I think the move set and character diversity is stronger in Lunar Two, and I, I care about that a lot. Uh, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to cut one yet. Um, All right. Well, shall we do one that you were toying with earlier that I think should be there because we actually don't have any strategy RPG representation across either list yet? I think Final Fantasy Tactics should be locked in. Sorry to butt in again, but no, like, no, no, please. I think like, yeah, if we're debating over two games in a series and we, we still haven't committed to a third game on this list, I think I don't think anyone on this podcast would disagree that Final Fantasy Tactics is the essential strategy well, opportunity. Well, you would okay, assume um, that. Final Fantasy Tactics is my favorite PlayStation game. I, I adore it. I even deliberately didn't go on the FF Tactics episode of Retro Encounter in 2015 because I was worried I would talk too much on it. That's the, that, that was my weird <laughs> podcast attitude uh, six years ago. But, uh, um, Peter, you, you voiced an objection of sorts. Why, why do you think FF Tactics shouldn't go on the list? My, uh, my, my, Tactics is amazing, and I want to stress that enough, that it's a really, really great game and really rewarding once you get into it. However, it's what make, part of what makes it so great is also, I think, what makes it not essential, because I think it is... Um, 
that be, the beginning portions of Tactics are really daunting to get through. I think that it has a lot of grinding, a lot of a. It's like th- that that game's difficulty curve is less of a difficulty curve and more of a slamming your head into a brick wall until finally it gets easy. Um, and if you're not really, I mean, comfortable, you another one later on, though. If you're not really comfortable with the game, yeah, I don't. If you're not comfortable with the game, the first four or five maps are very challenging, and then there's another difficulty spike in chapter three out of four yeah. that is that is pretty infamous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in general, I think Tactics is a very good game, and story wise, it is like peak. Evil East is an amazing setting. The themes it explores, the characters, all of that is excellent. Mitsuno is like, is a phenomenal writer. But um, I think as a game, Tactics is, it's 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 extremely unbalanced. I think the difficulty curve is all over the place. I think, uh, I just yeah, like I said, I think it is a little messy at points. Um, and, 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 and I mean, and just take this with a grain of salt, considering I'm also not great at strategy RPGs. But that's uh, and and then I also feel as though, I mean, this is just my mentality for top ten lists. I look at it and go, there can be only one. And since we've already locked in fourteen, they're totally different, though. It's like comparing, like, yeah. I mean, I'm, I can't draw any like comparisons right now. And like FF Nine I mean, is also waiting, and like. Yeah, I'm gonna fight for that. I don't have any confidence in it, but like that's my second favorite I, I will, game ever. I but like, too, but I would all, but under those those same conditions, I would also vote to cut FF9. But under those same I, conditions, I, there Alana mentioned this before. There are no strategy RPGs on the 2016 list or any of our 2021 lists, and I, and I think that would it, I think that would merit it, uh, you know, a point in its favor. It's the only strategy RPG I'd probably go back and play. And, like, yeah, you're right. Like, it, it, there is, it is a little bit daunting, I think. And I think, like, Peter, I don't really love strategy RPGs. Like, that's that's almost a meme for this show, right? Like, that I don't like them. And I played FF Tactics for the you first time like in 2020. Yes. Correct, yes. <laughs> or, um, oh, oh, wait, wait a second. What is, about the strategy RPG segments in Suikoden 2? Uh, uh, I mean, I don't like those. Uh, but it's quite well publicized. It's the only delete, thing I don't like yeah, about this yeah, game. Maybe we should delete Suikoden 2 from the list. No, you are not taking Sweet Sweet and Two really <laughs> I, probably no, should be in there. I, I was I was but, saying that in jest, but uh, I, I I love FF Tactics. I, I compared FF Tactics to Sweet and Two a lot when we recorded the podcast about it because I think the relationship between Ramza and Alita is n- is not really the same, but it, uh, a fair comparison to the relationship between uh, um, mm-hmm. Rio and Joey, mm-hmm. and uh, and. Again, like a story of a friendship of two young men being told over this sort of uh, national conflict that goes incredible places are is you know a very generalized <laughs> way of summarizing either of those two stories. But FF Tactics has a, has a brilliant story, great characters, and so much fun in the different potential for tinkering and action within that job system. Like there's nothing in any game on this list, like, uh, like dealing with calculator magic and FF tactics or, <laughs> or, or making a summoner samurai or a, I don't know, a, a, a dual wielding, um, monk, a punch monk ninja, um, except for maybe the actual monk job in FF 14. But it, it, it just the, uh, the the fun in tinkering and the fun and potential and what you can do in strategy is 
what was eye opening to me. I, I, like uh, now, I try to play every other strategy RPG, um, sort of in that way. Like, what can what can I do? Like, what how will this game let me exploit it? And I sort of compare every strategy game I've ever played to FF Tactics, definitely unfairly. Yeah. But th- but that's how that's also just how powerful that game was to me. My, it was. I think when we're looking. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, uh, it was my first strategy RPG. I played it in the early 2000s, and it, and I uh, and it's very very important to me. It's my favorite PlayStation game. I think with this, we kind of have to think about like what exactly are we saying with essentiality, and um, the kind of two ways that I see it is we could either say these are the ten games you must play, or these are ten games, and I think. If you look at this list, anybody who has a passing interest in RPGs will find at least one of these games to be um, something that they'd really like. And I think with basically either of those metrics, and you might have a different way of viewing what exactly Central 10 would be, I think uh, Tactics passes both of those with pretty flying colors Mm -hmm. um, because it is different from anything else on this list. And it is something that on its merit is... I mean, it was probably for the 2016 list, like the number 11 or 12 game that y'all were talking about. And I think it's time to, I think it's time to give her her crown. I um, think so. <laughs> I think Tactics is a wonderful game. I think the PSP remaster even puts it over the top, except for the spell slowdown. I know, because yeah. someone's going to comment about it. But the, the, um, the, the, <laughs> I, the iOS version is, me. yeah, the iOS version is almost the best of both worlds. I, I think, I don't own a tablet, but I think the best way to play FF Tactics War of the Lions is on a tablet. Touch controls are not my favorite, but I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I would probably agree with that. Um, and I don't think I would say that for just about any other game. There are probably a couple, but this is a, wonderful example of it because you have the added gorgeous cut scenes like the yeah. the grass whistle scene oh, um that is oh, now oh, animated lovely is stunning just <laughs> stunning i i i mean i love this game um when i was playing it uh one of my friends said that um this was my second job for a few weeks because <laughs> i put as much time into <laughs> tactics as i put into my actual full-time job so um so yeah i I would definitely want Tactics in our Essential 10, even if there is already a Final Fantasy game in there. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a no-brainer, personally. Um, yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, I think the learning curve thing is reasonable, but, like, I don't know. I've played... It, it's hard for me to remember, if I'm being honest with you. Like, I played the game first when it first came out, and I was 12, and, like, I struggled at the beginning. Um, but, like, I've played it, like, probably ten, nine times since, and, like, you really don't need to grind nowadays. Like, it, it, I think that actually... For people who like take the time to like really understand what it's doing, it it doesn't really require much of a grind. And even if it does, like the, the options you have and the fact that it was the tactics RPG that created interest in tactics RPGs. Like I bought it when I was twelve because like it said Final Fantasy on the cover, um, and I also think that's kind of important. Um, yeah. Like in terms of like how significant it is to like things like Fire Emblem and things like that, and and like Leslie said, like I, and I, I actually don't love tactics RPGs. And one of the reasons I think I don't is because like when I play them, I'm like, this isn't Final Fantasy Tactics, um, <laughs> which is unfair. But like Final Fantasy Tactics is is absolutely brilliant. It's my second most replayed RPG probably of all time, and I think it's it, it's to me it's like slam dunk no brainer. I can't believe Steambot Chronicles or 
Kingdom Hearts One made it over in the last one, so um, <laughs> it's, it's a no brainer to me. Um, I will thank oh, I Marcos do. for getting Steambot Chronicles on the list and blame Peter for getting Kingdom Hearts 1. Oh, look at that. Oh. Get Final Fantasy Tactics on this one, then. Let's go. FF Tactics was my uh, big regret for not getting on the previous list, but also I'm, I was kind of the Zach of last year. Most of my favorite games on my list made the uh, made, made the top 20 in the, um, in, in the, in, uh, the episodes five years ago. But... Uh, I I really would like to see tactics on this list. I, I I'm gonna put it on the on the maybes for now, but I, I think there's a lot of um. Oh, put it on! Just put it on. Yeah. <laughs> you keep you keep waffling. It's got enough support. Put on the list. Go, please. It's on. I'm not getting annoyed at you. It's Don't a, worry. It's the third. It's the third game of the 2021 Essential Ten. Final Fantasy Tactics. <laughs> All right. I, it's four to one. Oh, I so. know. I, yeah. I, I, uh, I I don't care. It's fine. No, 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 no! I wasn't saying that to you. I'm just worried, like that I've annoyed Salosi. No, but. no, no, no! I'm not. I'm not annoyed. I'm. I'm looking at. We ha- we have to cut something, and uh, unless we want to revisit Lunar One versus Two again, I. I, I mean, I don't have an. I don't have an offer, opinion on Lunar other cut. than I think there can be only one. Um, uh, I. Yeah, I, I. I don't think. I do not think we should have both. <laughs> I've. I have an offer for cut so we can move things along. Transistor. Yes, Eva. You don't have to do oh, that. Really, though? Eva. I, I'm, you don't have to no. do that. I, I mean, no, no, I because no, I because this. Go ahead. I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to make it through because right now, if I'm right now, if I'm asking all y'all if you want transistor on the essential ten, is it going to be there? I would be for a yes. Solosi said he might have an alliance with me, but I think it's a bit more wishy washy. I would, I would, I would say, I would say yes. Painful. I would say yes for Transistor. I think a super giant game belongs on the list. Transistor doesn't play any like any other game on this list, and I, I, I would support Transistor over most of what's remaining. I, I, I think I would. Ooh. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll put my cards out a little bit. I would support Dragon Quest Eleven and Skies of Arcadia over Transistor, but other than that, I'm uh, I'm it's it's just, it's a struggle a little bit. Oh, and then we get into I guess as well. I think Transistor, unfortunately, yeah, like I, I understand why you've offered it up, Eva. Um, it's probably the last game on this list that would make my list. Um, it's my probably joint for my least favorite. I say least favorite super giant game, and I think I said this last week as I well. Did. Like, um. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, it, I hate to do the, when you compare it to the rest of the list, but like, and I think it does some things brilliantly and like everything that Eva, myself and Salusi discussed in the December episode is totally valid and it is wonderful, but I have so many caveats with it and I don't think I'm, I, I, I don't look at it in the same way I do a lot of the other games on this list, personally. I don't, unfortunately, have a very strong argument for it to not be there, but, like, I just think I don't love how it plays, necessarily. I think it's got an interesting customization system, but you can easily lock into, like, a really comfortable build really early on, and that's it. It sort of encourages customization, but in a roundabout way. I, I think that Transistor... I like the story. Uh, I, 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 I had a similar issue with the combat system. Uh, it was a struggle... Um, getting through the first zone for me a little bit because I hadn't found a, a place that I liked. But once I found, once I settled on something, and and uh, and my skill list had filled out a little bit, it became very fun for me. And even though it, yeah. It, it's, yeah. It's, it's my third or fourth favorite uh, super giant game out of four, I, I, yeah. I still think it's awesome and one hundred percent worth playing. 
Yeah, when I say least favourite, yeah. I'm saying, like, they've got four games, and I'm saying, like, if I were going <laughs> to stick a number on it or, a, like, a rating on it, it would still be, like, better than most. But, like, I just think out of the rest of the games here, no, it doesn't deserve to be there. So I'm I'm fairly in favour of cutting it, unfortunately. And I love it, and I'm sorry, but that's my that's how I feel. I mean, I mean, like I said, I I like Transistor. Like, it is a really good game. It has really beautiful art direction and really excellent music, and the combat is fun. But I think, like, like with Alana, I do have just a few caveats with it, and it's like, it's just in really crowded company. Is really the the what bottom line is like yeah this is good, but compared to everything else that I'm seeing on this list, it's like I would be hard pressed to put it on to the final cut. I, if if you're volunteering to sacrifice Steva, I'll 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 move it to the deleted list. But uh, you you have my support if you want it to survive a little longer, at least. Well, the way the way I'm seeing it is just like that. This that this needs to move along, and transistor is not one that's really going to make it through, which is which is fine. I'll just say that I think it's an excellent game. I think it is. It would you know it was on my list, and I would definitely say that it's an essential game. Um, I think that what it does in ten hours, most games can't even accomplish in sixty. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's. A one one of the most um, flawless experiences, at least I've had, in a video game, and I will always and forever push this game as not being the sophomore slump that I've heard a couple of people refer to it as. Not people on this podcast. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, uh, people on the people who on, are like, oh, I love Bastion Transistor. Ah, people on yeah. people on the Random Encounter podcast uh, around. People on the Random Encounter podcast around 2014 had that kind of attitude about it. There, uh, uh, when I mentioned yeah. to Rob Steinman that I was playing it, he like I think he gave me a a a, a, gr- a grossed out face emoji. <laughs> um, well, the, I will I will take that up with Rob Steinman after this podcast. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, Should we call him? Is he gonna oh. be okay? <laughs> I'm sure he's he's oh, just I fine. Mean, I, you know, in the interest of moving things along, uh, Zach, I think we should probably cut both Lunar games. No. Really? <laughs> I disagree. What okay. Is going on? All right, never okay. mind. Okay. In, in, in seriousness, I will sacrifice uh, Pokemon just because I, I get the objection to it. And it, yeah, like, there's tons of other games that are probably better suited for an Essential 10 list. We talked about it. We okay. like it. I know. It's, yeah. 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 Yeah, I know Eva, you didn't get much of a chance to speak about Pokemon. Did there, is there anything you wanted to say in particular around it or is? Yeah, um, sure. So I've, I've played basically every, I've played every game in the main series of Pokemon except for like if, you know, I've played, uh, Moon but not Sun. So, you know, like those sorts of situations. Um, and I would say that Black and White and Black 2 and White 2 are the best games in the series. I think they're both for everything that Pokemon tries to do, I think these are the best articulations of it, um, both these games in the series, um, or I guess all four of the games in the series. Um, 
I just don't, I don't know if Pokemon should be on our essential 10. And I say this as somebody who currently has a Meryl and Bayonet plushie um, <laughs> on her wall and just got a, uh, a, a backpack of a Gengar. So <gasps> it's, so it, I think they're amazing, but they're only, they're only a little bit better than the other best Pokemon games. So I wouldn't put it on the list, um, but absolutely recommend it if you can get your hands on it great games all right, all right. Uh, thank you for uh, your honorable sacrifice Peter but uh, Pokemon black and white are off all right. <laughs> um, other cut Persona 5 Royal um, yeah yeah the- this was it was on my list but Persona 4 Golden is already on the original essential 10. And Persona 5 Royal, uh, on a good day, feels like one of the greatest games I've ever played. And on a bad day, feels like a game that made me kind of hate video games. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, I've not played Royal. And I think, like, yeah, like, Royal is only, like, a year and a bit old. At the, well, it's not in Japan, obviously. But, like, mm-hmm. yeah, this was probably my next cut as well. And I feel like I'm going for Eva's list a little bit, I, which I feel really bad about. But, like, yeah, it, it, you know, it's one of the stylish and best-playing turn-based RPGs on this list. But I think some of the narrative decisions in it are extremely dated. And, again, I'm referring to Vanilla. Persona 5, I don't know if Royal changes a lot of those problems that I have with the original. It's also like 135 hours of, and a lot of it is unneeded, I think. That's Um, really the thing, is like Vanilla P5, I I enjoyed it, but it's like that game is too long. Like if any one game, this, this, I feel like they have decided that these games need to be these 100 hour behemoths when they could get the point across in half that. And I, I totally agree. I think my time as an adult is more valuable than it was as a child, and I sometimes resent games that insist on being longer than I feel they need to be. And I, I wish that more games looked and sounded like Persona 5, because it is gorgeous um, mm-hmm. visually and and musically. And uh, and and um, like the combat feels snappy. The dungeons are really cool when you're sort of in the middle of them and sneaking around. But story-wise, it is so poorly paced. And even though I, I like many of the characters in it, it there's – it's it, – like, like, I, I can I, think of someone in 2, 3, and 4 that I like better in almost every situation, yeah, basically. Yeah, it's um, – I, I don't think it's one of the best Persona games other than, uh, other than presentationally. I'd, I'd say that given – it's like there's a lot of things that Persona 5 Royal uh, and Persona 5 do really well, um, but they um, the things that it does really well, namely aesthetics, are worn out by the increased length, and the problems that it has are only exacerbated by the increased length. So it's so it does a lot of good things, but the length of it does kind of ruin it a little bit. So. I I wholeheartedly agree. Like I think it's a good game and worth playing, but um I would recommend at least two other Persona games before five. Yeah, I think my I mean I think my favorite I, if I recall correctly my favorite Persona game got cut in the last Essential Ten, and like but even go oh I didn't know you were you were a big Revelations <laughs> what, guy. Well, Peter. was I? <laughs> hey, but but no, I mean but even looking back at like Persona Four, it's like. That game, that game has aged like has aged really well in some aspects, and it's aged like milk in others. But um, 
and five, I think, is kind of unfortunately destined to do, do the same thing. Like, it was like people were over the moon about it when it came out, and now it, now that we've settled into it, if people look back, it's like, yeah, okay, this had some issues. Our, our, our crowd is looking back at it like that, but a lot of but get ready for a lot of Persona Five spinoff games before we they even start sniffing Persona <laughs> oh, Six. We're in the we're in the middle. Yeah, we're in the middle of the of uh, the 2020 2021 version of the um, Golden Arena Q phase right now. We've already got uh, we've already gotten Q. I, I, is that is it? Yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, yeah, we've already gotten the the 3DS queue that Q2. came out. In, yeah, that came out in 17 or 18, right? Um, that game's all right. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I don't. I wouldn't put it on. I wouldn't put either Persona Q or Q2 on uh, on, on our essential 10. But that mm-hmm. game is all right. Uh, but let's move on. Is there another thing that we feel good about cutting? Because I'll, I'll make a suggestion if no one else will. Well, I'm going to throw it out there for debate because it's already come up a few times. But people keep saying that there shouldn't be another Final Fantasy on the list and. Final Fantasy IX is my favorite game in the series. It's my second favorite game of all time. I almost would have put it on the list over Final Fantasy VI, and VI is my second favorite game of all, like, second favorite game in that series. But Nine does a lot of the basics so well, and it goes back to a lot of systems that the original games, like jobs, you know, they're, you know, the main cast have all got their own set jobs. The customization system is really simple. I think it's got one of the best stories in the entire series. Extre- like, and so is Six. Like, that's the problem. Like, they're both like, to me is so important but i know this it's got issues but i just want to throw it out there and see what people think because like we have two final fantasy you know, games you, on this you know list what? I'm and change my tune. yeah let's keep ff9 ff9 is too good oh <laughs> i love ff9 but i'm a little concerned that our list might end up being 40 or 50 percent square enix mm. right and i think like i like i say i love ff9 and like Really, I would have had it over. Like, if I'd been on in 2016, I would have fought for it over six, and I think that would have been controversial. Um, but like, you know, I hate that we're all like throwing in sacrifices when. But I guess that's just the nature of who we are as people on this podcast. Like, I'm very indecisive. Um, but like, I adore it. I it is essential to me, and I think essential to the PlayStation One library. But. Mm. I, it's a turn-based RPG. I I I love FF9. Uh, I I love a lot of the characters in it. I love how it was a, it's it was a bit a bit of a scale back from seven or eight. Like in seven or eight, you could customize characters to do anything, but in FF9, characters had a little bit more defined roles, and I and I I, I think that's more interesting in team in mm-hmm. team building and team design when you do that because like in FF seven or eight, it's like. Other than some statistical and limit break differences, I mean, how much of a difference is it putting in Red Thirteen versus Kate's versus Kate She? But while in FF Nine, you really have to think about um, about how you build your team, and that's something I really value in an RPG. And FF Nine is a extremely beautiful, fun, cool version of a classic FF uh, Final Fantasy game. I think it's great, but and I. I I don't know if I want to put it on the list though because there are games among the remaining finalists that I care about more, and, and that that are also traditional turn based RPGs. I mean, like yeah. I I beat nine to completion. I don't know, like like whenever it came out, it was a long time ago. Um, and I've been replaying it lately, and I like it. I, I think it's a delightful game. But I, as you said, like if I'm comparing it to things like Lunar or some of the things we haven't even discussed yet, like Undertale. Um, 
I I don't think that I can personally put it forward. Um, even though I think that it's a delightful game, <laughs> I just it, it's it's essential to me, and that's all that okay. matters. Yeah. I, I I agree with you. I just yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> if, if, if it's my vote, <laughs> I I can't vote it up. I guess just because of what else is on the list and how important those games are to me. I. I, I want yeah. to support you, Alana, but the only problem is what else is on the list that is for me. Yeah. And I, I knew coming in that I was the only person who put it, you know, you put tactics and 14s there and. There's also a lot of Final Fantasy, this, as you noticed. As you exactly. Noticed. <laughs> and a lot of Square. We, like, we've only put Square published games on this list so far. So let's put Skies of Arcadia in the top 10. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm there for it. Yeah. I'm. Oh, I, look at that. I'm there we go. Done. We don't even need to discuss it. Yeah, lock Skies. Okay. I, there we go. I, I, I've played literally an hour of it, and I don't care. Um, like, I feel like Skies of Arcadia is the RPG of, of retro. I, I, I so have I never played it, but it is, like, on my short list to play as soon as I have the opportunity. So, yeah, I am absolutely it. It, it is the game... Uh, uh, sorry, Peter. No, go, 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 go. It is, it, yeah, it is the game I want more than ever uh, to be made available to a new audience. Like, like mm-hmm. it is at the top of every list. Remake it for PC. Remake it. Remake it for current consoles. Put it on mobile. Okay, maybe don't pull it. Put it on mobile. But, uh, like uh, my, my my secret dream. And I know I've I've joked about this before, but I seriously would adore it if in a theoretical Yakuza Eight they just put all of Skies of Arcadia in that game. And like like uh, like like, yeah. like Ichiban finds an old Dreamcast. Someone tells him Skies of Arcadia is kind of like Dragon <sighs> Quest, and then he and then you get to play all of Skies of Arcadia in Yakuza Eight. That's that's my dream. Um, <sighs> But okay, with the year twenty twenty three, let's go. <laughs> They're not announcing it until next year, at least, because they got a um, Ryu Gakutoku Studio has a lot of lost judgment to to promote um, in twenty twenty one. But Skies of Arcadia is everything that we said we love about Lunar: how colorful and optimistic, and uh, and. Uh, and, and, and sort of how it has a spirit of adventure and wholesomeness to it. I think Skies of Arcadia has all of that, and it's it's just one of the best versions of a of a turn based RPG that communicates fun and positivity. It's yeah, I mean it's got like it's dated in certain ways, um, oh, yeah. but like as much as I'm enjoying playing through Lunar, like I think Skies maybe does a lot of the tone stuff better. But maybe that's just because you know there's eight years on it, and it's it's. It's also got some of the best side quests in any yes. Japanese RPG ever. It, like, I, I love base building in Suikoden 2, but Skies of Arcadia was like one of my, like, one of my first RPGs, and like, that's where I see it from. Like, you, the characters have way more defined roles in your base, I, and they're all useful, and yeah, this is, just, this is just one of the best, we, I think we said this last week, um, it's one of the best world maps in a video game. I, I adore well. the world map in Skies of Arcadia. Me it too. is so fun. And I forget the exact number, it's like, it's a uh, 24 or 30 or something. It's uh, 20, 24 or 26 okay. crew members. Let, yeah. let, let, let's say 24. But, but recruiting 24 um, random citizens that you meet throughout the world to be your pirate crew and then building your base based on, you know, who your cook is and who your carpenter is, etc. is it is so satisfying. And uh, and one thing that Skies of Arcadia does that, no, that Suikoden doesn't is you get the Blue Rogues super move where everyone <laughs> that's on your ship jumps in for a super attack, and that never gets old at all one bit, even... <laughs> 20 years down, yeah. Blue Rogues yeah, it's nice, attack! <laughs> it's nice as well, because this was another one you tried to get on the list five years ago, so I think it, like... 
I think it deserves yeah. to be here. I have, a, I have a, I, I, I support if, it. If we're, if we're done with skies, I have a dual um, proposition. Uh, let's of locking, of Hit locking me, Bloodborne and cutting Danganronpa. I will sacrifice Danganronpa. Uh, I would like to cut Danganronpa. Right, I love that game um, and and the culture surrounding it. We talked about that in the last episode. Yeah, uh, the point is that uh, I think Solosi made last time that nine 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 is already on the first list, and it's like again, it's in very crowded company. Meanwhile, Bloodborne, I mean, from software is sort of defined modern action games. If we're being honest, like that, there is so much influence that company has had, and I feel like one of their games absolutely needs to be considered for this list. So, yeah, yeah, I think so too. E- I think Eva, Bloodborne um, is also yeah. Eva, Blood, Eva, Bloodborne was on your personal list. Uh, do you support this move? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely put it up for consideration. I think that Bloodborne has, like, just incredible combat um, and world building. If you want to go down a rabbit hole of just trying to pick out the tiniest details in the environments that you traverse, Bloodborne is that game. You stumble across um, one thing, and it leads to an entire different... Uh, storyline or an entirely different way of viewing a particular area that you're in. Um, it's really a game where you can engage on so many different levels. You can take it in the totality of what it is and see it in that holistic way. Um, you can take it as a mechanically driven wonder, and it's excellent for that. You can take it as just you know an environmental storytelling piece. You know if they have something like how Assassin's Creed does their um, you know, like tourist mode or whatever. And I think it would still succeed in that. Um, I think it's an amazing game. The only thing that I think holds it back are the late performance issues, which will get figured out at some point on PS5. Um, and the fact that it's kind of light on RPG mechanics. Um, there is one game uh, that... Uh, well, okay, I should say, how do I rephrase this? Uh, Rob Simon has been bugging me to play a From Software game for as long as I've known him, mm-hmm. and he, and the the one he the, probably the one he tries to get me to play the most is well it, it's really it's all of them but Bloodborne is the one that he's been trying to sell me on the hardest especially since he says it's a little bit more Devil May Cry than th- than Dark Souls yeah. and we did have to cut Devil May Cry Five at the beginning of this episode. It's the fastest of the FromSoft games, from what I know. Oh, from what I've tried, anyway. Um, yeah. Sekiro is, like, also pretty fast-paced, but Sekiro is very defensive-oriented. Um, you really gotta figure out how to mm-hmm. parry. Whereas Bloodborne is all about evasion and aggressiveness. Like, um, so it's like, yeah, it's uh, definitely in terms of, like, if you're, like, a fan of, like, character action games, there's a little more to grasp onto there. Yeah, I feel like there's like a trilogy of like PS4 RPGs that get talked about the most. One of them's The Witcher 3, which is not here. Near Automata, Near Automata, and I think Bloodborne as well. I think Bloodborne is like one of the defining games of the last generation. I agree. Um, I, I mean, like, and if it's just like a personal taste vote, like I vote no, um, only on personal taste, um, because like <laughs> I have played the first couple hours of Bloodborne a number of times, and I think they're really boring. Um, <laughs> and it, like it's just like a personal taste thing. It really is. 
Um, like, I'm bad at them, first of all. That is 100% true. Like, I'm terrible at action games in general, especially ones that are actually hard, like Bloodborne is. Um, but I, if I'm going to make any sort of argument, I'm going to go back to something Eva said. Like, it doesn't, like, it doesn't feel like an RPG to me um, in terms of the way that it plays. Like, it feels like it's more about your skill than anything. Um not that I'm saying it's not a deserving, I, I, I am certain, like, I, I can, I consent to, like, the masses on this particular thing, or, like, people who, like, are, are, have actually finished the game, or better video games than I am, but, like, if I was gonna vote, I wouldn't personally vote for Bloodborne, but I, I recognize other people's opinion on this particular thing, and I'm sure that I just don't get it. I'm, I'm leaning towards being in favor of putting Bloodborne on the list, because, I think the reason that it gets accepted as an RPG is because it's an action game with a lot of RPG elements, and it's um, necessarily put in the same family as uh, as the Dark Souls games, which are I think I think more clearly RPGs. Like we, that whole genre is sometimes called Soulsborne now. The customization is actually no different from Dark Souls. Maybe yeah, it's slightly, blood, but like you have blood gems, yeah. which are essentially materia. And uh, yeah, it's true. it's heavily exploration driven in a way that uh, you, you might even compare it to a Metroidvania. Is that is that fair to yeah. say? I, 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 That's a common comparison. Okay, I, yeah, I've only played the very beginning of Bloodborne. I thought it was intriguing, but I was I was in the middle of something else or a podcast but game. Also, like when was this list about RPGs when we've got visual novels up for contention? So I don't really get why that's a point. It is called the it is called the Essential Ten Two, and there is no RPG necessarily in that title. And we are not going to endeavor to define what an RPG is in these episodes. And uh, I believe RPG fan does have a Bloodborne review, don't yep. we? We do. We certainly do. So yeah, we didn't a... cover Sekiro is because Sekiro doesn't have like any stats. So. And also, Rob Simon was no longer yeah, on staff. Yeah, and he would have and he, <laughs> he would have done a better job of fighting for it than I would have. <laughs> I, I am okay with putting Bloodborne on the list and sacrificing Danganronpa because uh, I, I, I was going to even when I was thinking of games to suggest we cut Danganronpa was you know crossed my mind and I I'm interested in, in uh, I, I am okay with putting Bloodborne right, let's, on. Let's do it. Uh, yep. Go for it. Oh yeah, let's do it. All right, it's on the list. We we have five out of our essential ten finished, <laughs> but uh, but something like. Oh, geez. I guess it means 15 more games okay, to discuss. We, or minus we, four. So 11 need, more games to, to discuss. We need to trim these um, these considered ones, I think. I think we should either... I think we should maybe cut both Lunar games. Because I, I would I would rather have... I think um, Mother 3 and Suikoden 2 are, are stronger contenders than the two Lunar games, even though I really would like to see Lunar 2 on the list. And I'm not and uh, I'm not going to back down from my Lunar Two is better than Lunar One stance. I think that we should lock Mother Three and Suikoden Two, bringing the list up to seven, and cut the other three, including FF Nine. I don't mind because like we were making arguments about Square, and uh, I feel sad that Lunar's not going to get on there because like I feel like it is an important thing that we should include, but. Obviously, I haven't played two, and in a way, they are slightly dated in some ways. But and I do really like Silver Star Story Complete. But I 100% want Sweeter in two on the list. <laughs> 100%. Mother three, I'm more like 90%. But then I don't think I've got enough to cover the rest of the bases on the rest of the list. I, like I, I think I my personal picks. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm something like 99% on Sweeter in two. 
yeah. and more like seventy. I sort of point out that like Mike, like what, like you said, you wanted both of them cut, and they've both been cut like immediately. And I disagree with the lunar thing, but like you're gonna do whatever you want. So like, continue. What? What? I disagree. <laughs> Does anyone else? Okay, I, I I think we should cut both. Zach thinks we should keep Silver Silver Star. Does anyone no, else I think we should think... keep one of them without, without even having a conversation about it? I, the reason we're not having a conversation yeah. about it is because we're like already at the two hour mark. Ah, that's a great reason. I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but unless we want to record the rest of this another time, we gotta start moving. Okay. Let's 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 look at some other finalists we haven't discussed yet. Um, does anybody object to me cutting the world ends with you? I kind of do. I kind of do. I haven't played it, but I, I yeah I won't yeah. I I played it for the podcast I, five years ago. I um I, I was a little. Uh, it, it didn't click with me the way it clicked with uh with with Josh and the and a lot of other people in RPG fan. I I just I I think it's. I think it's over designed and I uh and and the gameplay didn't always click like right when I got used to one partner they make you change partners and the game's totally different and uh I really don't like the chapter 3 partner. Um I I, I would not put the world ends with you on on our list. Does it is, is anyone else I, uh, go ahead go ahead Eva. <laughs> I think this is an excellent game. I think this is a game that is it's kind of if I'm going by these by signature qualities, its signature quality is being um, explicitly tied to a certain system, and that makes it very fascinating in the way its uh, mechanics articulate. However, that sort of essential quality that it has, I don't think is nearly as strong as like the, incent- the essential qualities that Nier Automata, Final Fantasy XIV, Tactics, Skies of Arcadia, and Bloodborne have. Um, so I think it's an excellent game. I really love this game. It's definitely one of my favorites. But I would, un- but I understand if it shouldn't. Yeah, go I, I'm, I'm, I'm with Eva on that one. I, I mean, I played it for the first time, pretty much at her suggestion, and I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of stuff about that game that relates to me on a personal level, but it's also one that I can see people not getting into as well. So we, we can, we can cut it if we need to. Uh, Zach or Alana, what are your feelings on? Uh, I only played like five hours of it. I wasn't super into it but it's um I, I trust eva and peter's judgment as it being like something that's significant yeah i don't really i haven't played it unfortunately and i hear like what a lot of people have said about it um there's things about it that don't jive with me which is why i haven't picked it up yet but i do want to so um yeah i i don't mind it's i would vote against but so we have Peter and Eva still interested. Uh, Alana and I voting against. I, I guess Zach, you're also voting against. I suppose uh, I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. Yeah, we're good with cutting it. All right, let's cut it. <laughs> don't sound so sad about it. We're the ones who are fighting for it. <laughs> okay, so we have five on the main list: five, five cuts, five maybes, and five sort of undiscussed so far. So we're, we're we're in even quarters. I'm gonna I'm gonna offer one more cut suggestion from my own list. We can get rid of Stardew Valley. I do love Star Stardew Valley is a wonderful game. It's very chill. It's a great indie success story. It's not gonna survive against these other contemporaries. <laughs> yeah, I adore it, but 
I feel sort of similar way. I'd like to fight for it more, but I feel like everyone's feeling a bit defeated and I'm like... I have I have played it a little bit. I put about two hours into it, and that was enough for me to learn that maybe I, I'm not into farming simulators. It's but that is really a personal taste thing, and not not anything rude about Stardew Valley. I've also tried multiple times to get into Animal Crossing games, and and uh, and once tried to get into <laughs> a Harvest Moon game, and, and just can't. But that's definitely a me thing, and not a problem with Stardew Valley. All right. Uh, so we're, we're sure we're cutting it. I, I mean, I th- I feel like it's. So, one of those games that like um, does a particular thing really well. Um, so I think it's like, and, and like everybody I hear talk about it, I haven't played it, but like everybody here talk about it, talks about it in like such a reverent way that like I feel like it probably deserves consideration. But like it, it's hard to talk about with, um, I, I mean, like two of us have, t- have played it, and both of them like think that it's like excellent. <laughs> so I, I, it's hard for me to say for sure. Yeah. All right. If I do want to like stick up for it a little bit, then um, I don't want to extend this too long. Yeah, I, I adore it. Like it is super special to me. Um, and yeah, it just does it does everything better than Harvest Moon and everything. Like it is it is the only game in that genre I would probably recommend. Like even over Animal Crossing now. I would say, but I know that's not something we cover anyway, but yeah, the problem is, is these five games are all like very high up on everybody's personal lists, I think. And yeah. And we've still got like ones on the consideration, you know, get rid of FF9 because it's sitting there. And yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I guess I'm okay getting rid of FF9 because I think there are games I care about much more still, still under consideration. Any objections from Eva or Zach? I, I don't have I don't have any objections personally. All right, with apologies to Alana, uh, Final Fantasy IX is cut, but we'll we'll leave Stardew Valley under consideration <laughs> for now. Um, it's fine. Let's address one of the elephants in the room. Um, I really want Dragon Quest XI on this list, but it would it also would be the fourth Square Enix game, <laughs> um, and I I think there is opposition to it because I know Peter tried to cut it uh, in the previous episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, both Peter and Eva did yeah and I vetoed it through I think I got it um, through so uh, Dragon Quest 11 Dragon Quest is the formative uh, JRPG uh, ever made and Dragon Quest 11 is sort of the modern interpretation of classic Dragon Quest concepts that I completely adored with tears in my eyes in 2018 when I uh, when I finally played it it's um Maybe my favorite RPG of the whole 2010s, with apologies to Nier Automata and a few other games. Uh, but I, I, but again, I am a Dragon Quest fanboy. It, uh, I, I love games with sort of uh, w- with fun teammates and party building and turn-based combat, and it just it just checked so many of my boxes, other than a great soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, that, that's unfortunate. Uh, but I mean, the game is excellent. Like. <laughs> And, and and it's just completely gorgeous to behold. And in the subsequent re-releases, the music is at least brought up to tolerable. <laughs> it's probably the essential turn-based RPG of no the 21st here. century. What? Dragon Quest Eleven is? Well, I think, like, I mean, Persona 5's got style, but, like, Dragon Quest Eleven is literally, like, a classic RPG made playable. I think that's reductive, <laughs> but... 
I know it. I know it's reductive. No, Persona Five does have. Yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah no, I, I don't agree with that. I think Persona Five does but, have um, substance yeah, no, I think I've as well. So honestly, I'm in favor of locking it, just because it is like this really. It, it's an excellent game, and and now for all of our like, uh, it, it, the, the original release definitely had some issues, and it's definitely I don't think for everybody, but Dragon Quest as a is a cultural institution. I, I also I also just I I love uh, Jade and Silvando so much, <laughs> especially Silvando. I, I'm not sure there's a more delightful side character in an RPG than Silvando the past ten years. Is that is that is that, is that, is that hyperbolic of me? Definitely. I, I think at, I think at this point I'm the only one who's in favor of cutting it. So I so I suppose that can land on the list. But before before that, I'm just I'm just gonna say that I I played forty hours of it, um, and it seemed to me like forty. It seemed to me like a game that. Um, is wonderful for Dragon Quest fans and perhaps could miss the mark for people who um, have not played the previous games in the series. Um, so I, I think it's... I, I thought it was a fine game, but I didn't find it to be essential. But if that's... But if that's four to one, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hold out or waste our time here. <laughs> I'm ready to lock it unless there unless there's additional objections. I, 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 I mean, Zach, I know you're. I, I know you're a Dragon Quest fan, Zach. Do you, do you think it should be a lock? Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I, I personally think it's like like when we're talking about like quintessential things. Like I think Tactics is the quintessential tactical RPG. Bloodborne is the quintessential Souls, Soulsborne, and this is. To me, like, if I was ever going to recommend, like, a single turn-based RPG to somebody, it would be Dragon Quest XI, because it, I think it perfects what it's doing. Lock it. Put it on. I'm going to, I'm going to lock it. And I think I want to go back to something that we talked about probably 90 minutes ago by now. Um, Mother 3 and Suikoden 2, I'm, the more I'm thinking about it, the more, the closer I am to just locking both of them. I agree. Uh, Yeah, I think so too. But yeah, we, I, I don't know why we've like held off. Like, I, I, I think like I wanted to see, I wanted to see like, how yeah. the opinion that played out on on more of these games. But I, I was especially with Sweet Two. I was, I was close to. I'm, I'm as close to supporting them over basically every other remaining game. Yeah, I think they're in. So that means two spots yeah. we have eight. We have eight spots locked and two left for six games. <sighs> yeah. I've played all but two of them. <laughs> I've played all but one of them. Uh, you know, Eva, we haven't talked about it yet. Uh, Disco Elysium. Disco. I, uh, I think, I, I played. Uh, go, go ahead. I go think ahead. if if we're cutting, if we're um, if we're going to be cutting Transistor, I really want us to have a. I want. I really want us to have a. You know, a non-Japanese RPG, not because I, not because I dislike Japan, because I think I've made that abundantly clear here. But um, I, I think it's important to have this game because it is doing, um, it is expertly written. It is, it's, I think it's probably the most flawed game on this list, in um, of the ones that we still have up for contention, um, with the possibility of Lunar, because I've never played those. Um, 
but it's it's such a it's such a peaks and valleys sort of thing that I think it's really interesting for anyone to experience because every person is going to have a different experience with it um, given the content of the game as well as how you're approaching the game. If you're approaching the game as a uh, as sort of a you know a neoliberal, a Blairite, a centrist, you're going to have a very different time with it than you know the commie that's playing it or the right winger that's playing it. It's a very, I think it's a fascinating game, and I think it has a little bit to introduce and help anyone with. I I, I, get, I played it for um, maybe three or four hours uh, since we last recorded, and I, I found it really fascinating in how it uh, interprets um, like classic CRPG mechanics and uh, sort of a visual novel style, um, well, not really visual novel style, uh, like Western RPG style um, uh, dialogue trees. And the writing is so strong, but both the internal monologue stuff and uh, the the dialogue with the with uh, your detective partner and with people you're uh, interviewing or interrogating, it, it's a very well written game. But I, I, it got me in situations that I uh, that I couldn't almost couldn't believe. Like I had to leap across a ledge to try and fu- to to investigate uh, to investigate something, and. I, uh, I I failed, but when I reattempted it, I took off my pants and shirt because they were giving me um, <laughs> negatives at the Savoir Faire yeah. stat, <laughs> and and then I was and then I was able to make the jump. Yeah. Uh, and, and and things like I, uh, I I was talking to I think a, I think a corrupt union boss, and um, I was trying to just get information basic information from him, but he. Uh, he he offered me a bribe that I declined, and then he asked me why I didn't have my gun, and I remembered that I lost my gun and felt deep shame for it. And both of those were blow to my were blows to my mental health that caused me to die in the in the, in the middle of in the middle of a dialogue tree. And in a way, I find that maddening because I did not know those were traps I could fall into. And in another way, I found that fascinating because it, it it's it makes me think in a way that. Um, other dialogue-driven games and other RPGs uh, never force me to think. So I, I'm very interested in playing through this game, but I, I feel like I want to start over now. So I have a, a a character that is you know less ruthlessly driven by logic and more and has a little bit more emotion uh, emotional toughness to yeah. him. Because <laughs> that, that was part of how my starting stats the, shook the out. The game over states but, that I got in this game are hilarious. From like me putting on a performer's <laughs> bow tie to. Um, being in a uh, being in a meeting with that union boss and him telling me that I needed to sit in this chair and it turning into a uh, basically a boss fight of endurance. If your health isn't high enough, that chair will kill you, just because it's so uncomfortable. Which, as somebody who who as somebody who felt who really understands how that's what that's like, um, yeah, that was hilarious. Now, uh, my very first death in the game was was well before meeting that union boss. Um, uh, again, this is a murder mystery, and uh, very early in the game, you examined the victim's corpse. And the smell was so overpowering, I vomited, my character vomited, and then a little kid nearby made fun of me, and I felt so bad about that that I decided yep. to give up, and then yep. that was the game over. It's great. Like, the game overs are hilarious. They made me <laughs> laugh every time. So I think this game is doing some really strange, hilarious things, but it also is kind of brilliantly designed in a lot of ways. Um, so I think it I think it deserves a spot on the list, personally. <laughs> I, my, I, I, I'm giving it a hesitant yes, because I, I look at what's, at what's left, and I would probably, my picks would probably be 
Lunar 2 and Disco Elysium, I guess, with a, you know, Link to the Past maybe knocking on the door a little bit. We haven't talked about Undertale or Link to I'm the gonna, Past yet. I'm going I'm to um, agree with locking Disco Elysium just because, like, it is kind of a modern classic. Um, it's very, probably the most recent entry on this list, but for the sake of variety um, it, and just for what it does so successfully, it seems like a really good uh, lock for this list. And also, just uh, again, the thing that struck me the most about Disco Elysium was the writing and dialogue. And looking at this, at every game on this list, I think the only ones with better dialogue might be FF14 and Nier Automata, <laughs> which were which were like the locks beyond locks for us. I, I mean, I haven't played Disco Elysium, but Eva, have you? You've played Undertale, right? Yeah. Uh, why? It's a question of genuine curiosity because I don't know. I haven't played Disco Elysium. Um, like, why would you think Disco Elysium would like move above something like Undertale? I think that Undertale harkens back to a kind of harkens back with nostalgia to um, things that are that have already come, and it does do some things that are progressing forward. But I think it to me, Undertale feels more like a nostalgia trip or a reintroduction to an older style. Um, than Disco Elysium is, where Disco Elysium feels very forward-thinking and it feels like a video game for the uh, time that we're living in. So I think in a 2016 Essential 10, that Undertale... Well, it wouldn't be up for it then because it would be so recent, but um, I think it would have felt more essential in 2016, but I think Disco Elysium feels more essential in 2021. Mm-hmm. I feel like Undertale is modern in some sensibilities, though, like, even if it is harkening back. And again, I haven't played Disco Elysium, but, like, <sighs> I think Undertale, and, like, I thought about this after the episode last time, like, people were saying that, like, Danganronpa was a cultural revolution, so was Undertale, and perhaps yeah. bigger, even. Like, I, I didn't feel like that was a fair criticism of Undertale last episode, and, like... Like, if I'm going to pick two games out of this list that I would personally want to see, I think one of the Lunar games should definitely be on the list, and I think it would be between Undertale and Disco Elysium, but personally Undertale, because that's the one I've played. I, yeah. One thing that maybe we haven't mentioned yet, uh, and I'm not sure I would vote for either of these games, but Undertale and Stardew Valley might be the biggest indie game success stories of the past ten years. I mean, Uh, in terms of, like, uh, number of I've had who talked to me about it, those two are they far outstrip anything on this list ever. So, yeah, I agree. I, I like Undertale a lot. I, I I played it once through. I uh, I accidentally was locked myself out of the uh, uh, the perfect um, no kills ending a little too early, uh, but was but was still blown away by a lot of what it did. But I, again, I I, I feel f- I I uh, I think that a lot of the community and discussion around it overshadows it a little bit and made me like it less in the intervening three or four years since I played it. I don't remember exactly when it came out. It was 2015 it came out. Yeah, so I, I think I played it either in... I think I think I played it late in late 2015, so it's longer ago than I thought. <laughs> I disagree with that again. Like, I think, like, you can ignore the community, that's fine. Like, I do it with Pokemon, but, like... <sighs> Like, look at Deltarune and the buzz that generated just by a demo of a yeah. chapter. Is, is is anyone um really set on putting Zelda: Link to the Past in this in the last in one of the last two slots o- over two other games? No, I would. I, that would be the first one I would cut. Of the 
It felt like a shame, but yeah. Yeah. Personally. I, I, I like Link to the Past a lot. I'm glad it made this 20, but I, I think it's the first I would cut as well. Or, well, maybe maybe I would cut Stardew Valley ahead of it, but that's I've I mentioned I don't like farming games. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so long, Link to the Past. We hardly knew you. You are the best, one of the best and maybe the most influential Zelda games and a very important action RPG for the Super Nintendo. But, yeah. We we we, we got we got to start making some hard decisions in this podcast. And I'm okay with cutting Stardew as well because I mean again we we talked about it. I like it and it is probably a significant game, but it's in pretty high standard company. Yeah, I do feel strongly about it, but mm. if I'm gonna split hairs between indie games, then I think Disco Elysium and Undertale maybe edge it. If we call Disco Elysium kind of indie, I suppose. Yeah. It's, 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 it's quite indie. I don't think it's... I mean, it's not EA that's publishing It's a small developer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, I, 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 do not, yeah. I do not think it is the time to cut Disco Elysium or Undertale yet, but uh, do, do we... Does anyone feel strongly about Stardew Valley over two, other, over two others? Never played it. Sorry. <laughs> I love it, and the only games that I haven't played are Disco Elysium and Lunar Eternal Blue, and I feel like there are stronger feelings on those. Like, it's the essential farming game, but, like, yeah. All right, let's cut Stardew Valley. Now, I, I want to go uh, around the around the room quickly. Um, of these last four, Lunar 1, Lunar 2, Disco, Undertale, tell me what your two choices would be. I'll, I'll go first. Um, I would pick Lunar 2 and Disco Elysium. I would uh, pick... Oh, sorry. Are you going to go around the room? Or? No, 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 no. Alana, please go. Uh, I would pick Lunar 1 and Undertale. Uh, Zach, go ahead. I would also pick Lunar 1 and Undertale, personally. Although, Disco Elysium would be like a, right on both their tails. Yeah. Personally. like I, I would be very happy to see Disco Elysium on the list, personally. Okay, uh, Peter, what two would you choose? Uh, Disco Elysium and Undertale. And Eva, which two would you choose? Disco Elysium and Undertale. Okay, so that's... I'm the only person that voted for Eternal Blue, but we had three for Elysium and uh, four for Undertale. Yeah. I, I, like I, I, think, I think it's time to lock Undertale and then have the last spot be between the two Lunars and Disco. Huh. Any that's objections to locking Undertale? I, I guess I would be the only objector. I, I think it's. I, I think Undertale is, is awesome and wonderful, but... I find the community annoying, and that's definitely not a good reason to cut it. No, but I mean, every, yeah, every game... That every is not game, a good reason to cut it. I think every game community right. is annoying. Like, that's reductive, but like at the same time, it's like... Yeah, like, the, I don't think the, the Underdog community is any worse than, like, the Danganronpa fan base or the Pokemon you're, fan no, base. No, you're, you're right, and it, yeah, Dungan. Yeah, the the, the, the Danganronpa fan base. If you want to go to a horny sub, subreddit, that's it, a, not a bad choice. It is, uh, yeah, it is honestly frightening. Yeah, that is. But, but yeah, most people but, play games, yeah, and yeah. I would say most people don't interact with the online communities. So, no, no, that's that's correct. And again, I really like Undertale, yeah. but I just did not get super deep into it. And uh, you know, annoying might be. I mean, daunting might be a better adjective than annoying for how I um, find its fan base. But it, it's it's it is a very special game, and I think that having sort of super indie representation on the list is would be cool. So I'm I'm not I, my objection to Undertale being on the list is very weak indeed, and I just locked it in. So we have one spot left 
for Lunar 1, Lunar 2, or Disco Elysium. And I am going to make a concession that I, I'm going to cut Lunar 2. I'm the only one that cares strongly about it. Uh, yeah. Um, and I th- I'm going to say something but, surprising here. Um, I think that we have a lot of really great turn-based RPGs on here. I don't think any of them really capture like a the particular spirit that Lunar does. I don't think any anything does really, but like other things try to. Um, I, I the thing is, I think that Skies of Arcadia gets there. And maybe I haven't played Skies, so I can't speak to that. So if that's the case, I think Disco Elysium is more special and more important. I, I would put Disco Elysium above Lunar. I, I think I would I would have put Lunar two above Disco Elysium, but maybe not one. But no, you're right. If we want to um, value uniqueness and specialness, and 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 I do, I, I think maybe it is Disco Elysium. That's yeah, I can't, I'm, okay. 10. I'm okay yeah. with this. I can't object, but yeah, I do feel strongly about Lunar One just because it's really important. But yeah, I guess there is a lot of turn-based RPGs there, and I feel like and I, yeah, I, I, I love Lunar, but the other turn-based RPGs on the list: Mother Three, Suikoden Two, Dragon Quest Eleven, Skies of Arcadia, Final Fantasy Tactics, which is kind of its own thing. Mm. I, I think I would put all of all of those ahead of Lunar One or Two, personally. I wouldn't, right. but like recognizing the importance of what this Coliseum is doing, and I, I, I've seen enough mm-hmm. videos of it, and I trust Eva's judgment. I've read her review, which was just like fucking uh, sorry, it was just like totally delightful. <laughs> um, like I, yeah, it was fine. I, I, I can't, I can't argue against Disco Elysium over. Like, uh, Disco Elysium is like a something important, and I'm not saying that Lunar I, is I, not saying something important because I actually think it is, but it, it's different, and we've already covered what Lunar is doing to some degree. I, again, I found I found Disco Elysium baffling and frustrating, but I also want to go back and try and try and play more of it. Like <laughs> that, that's where I am on, on it. And again, it, w- it would be the only Western RPG on the list, and uh, the, the on- there isn't a game like it even even on our older list. Uh, glancing through it, it's, it's even though they're Western made, this is not like Diablo three or Mass Effect two. I promise. There won't be anything else like it either, from what I understand. Oh, they, they announced that it's, it's not going to have a follow-up? or. Uh... Well, I think even then, like, how are you oh. going to replicate that? Like, it's just so of its time and of its moment. Like, it, well, I say that. It's like, that's a generalization. But, like, nothing has done anything that Disco Elysium has done. And, yes, the only thing that could probably replicate it is a sequel. But we wouldn't have that without this. So put it on. Eva, I am... Eva, I am going to lock Disco Elysium, but can you uh, give us some final thoughts? It's um, it's a game that causes me to question some of my own that caused me to question some of my own uh, beliefs and not in like a oh I guess I'm going to uh, just fall back deeper into into being you know an unrepentant commie um, but <laughs> in terms of um, thinking more critically about um, organizing for power and the spaces that we create for dialogue about, um, you know, criticisms of capitalism and, and even being in a union even had me thinking about, you know, the fact that I'm a union member and what exactly does that mean? And, um, it's really something, it's really something incredible. I really, I really appreciate this game. 
All right. I, I think we have our essential 10. And it, it might have been forged with some late episode weariness, but uh, I, 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 I think we have it and, we, and it's time to stand by it. Um, so uh, th- this was a, a weird episode to make. It, I, know, I, I know it's gone slowly and we're, um, we're, we're probably tired and hungry, <laughs> but uh, I, I think this ep- exercise was, you know, it was valuable because the 2016 episode was, um, they, they, they were weird and argumentative, but also uh, I, I think, I, I think a, a fun discussion of something like 41 or 42 uh, cool RPGs and this was ultimately, you know, us talking a lot about 35 great games and arriving at a list of 10, and I think we were successful. This was, uh, thanks so much for being on this admittedly difficult episode with me, and I and I hope that there aren't too many hurt feelings, uh, said the guy whose feelings are still a little bit, yeah, <laughs> said the guy whose feelings are still a little bit hurt that Yakuza 0 uh, did not make the top 20. <laughs> but at least we did have uh, uh, Mother 3 and Disco Elysium on the list to stick it to the man in, in our own ways. <laughs> but listeners uh you listened to us probably for two weeks talking about these 35 games and thank you for sticking with us all this time uh but let's talk about the rest of july and a little bit of august um later this month we're doing two episodes on the hakawoki a otome uh um female-centric dating sim game um it's a very popular uh otome game that ha- that's had multiple versions and sequels i think but we are having a panel of four women talk all about hakawoki for t- uh, the last two episodes in july um i've been i have not listened to the episodes yet but um but hillary has been keeping me updated on how exciting the discussion has been so please look forward to two episodes on hakawoki in june um, well, I'm sorry, July. Wow, okay. I, I, now I'm forgetting the months of the year as well as the patch, passage of time. Uh, Hakuoki getting two episodes later in July. Um, but coming in August, we are doing two episodes on Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne. That is a PS2 classic that recent, ha, recently had a PS4 and Switch remaster. I think most of the people are going to be playing the remaster, but that is a game with a reputation that precedes itself, and I'm a little bit terrified but because I've only just... Be- I've only just barely started it, uh, but uh, that is a game that has um, come up the recommendation request pipeline a couple times, so I know that some of our listeners are going to be uh, excited to hear us talk about SMT3 slash N. Uh, uh, Zach, have you, I, know, I, know, I know you're on the episodes with me. Have you played it before? I have never played it before. I'm about five hours into this playthrough. Um, it's not too bad so far, but uh, I, I get the impression that I haven't hit the hard stuff yet, so... Oh boy. Okay. I'm, I'm, I have not played that much of it, so I probably ought to get on that later tonight even. Um, but also coming in, uh, in August, we're doing an episode on the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Uh, that is, uh, those are, um, two Japan only Phoenix Wright games that are finally getting localized in July. So we're gonna give us some time to play them and then talk about both of them in a spoiler cast in August. Uh, we did an episode on the Phoenix Wright series a year or two ago, and that was a lot of fun. So I'm going to try and get back some of those same people for these episodes. But if you uh, if you are good at your counting numbers, listeners, you might also realize that August is going to house episode 300 of Retro Encounter. And we also have something very uh, special planned for episode 300. So please look forward to Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne, episode 300, and The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles coming in August. But if you want to um, reach out to us in any way for game recommendations or what have you, uh, you can email retro at rpgfan.com that's the best way to find us you can also comment on rpg fans message boards visit our facebook page our instagram our twitter our discord or youtube our twitch something streaming every day on twitch something posting every day on the main website rpgfan.com please interact with us however you choose uh there's also 
three other fine podcasts hosted by RPG Fan. That's Random Encounter every two weeks about randomness, Rhythm Encounter usually every two weeks about RPG music, and Phoenix Edge usually every week about a variety of topics with more current events on Phoenix than on Retro. And you can review those four podcasts, including Retro Encounter, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or however you're listening to us. Please give us feedback. We love feedback. But let's share how you can reach out to us at a more individual level. Uh, let's share some social media platforms, starting with you, Alana. Uh, so the best place to find me is Twitter. I am at Alana Hagues, or I am on the RPG Fan Discord as Alana. Now, Eva. You can find me on RPG Fan social media accounts, or you can find me on my personals on Twitter and Instagram as at Eva Lease. Now, Zach. Uh, you can email me at ZachW at RPGFan.com, or you can find me on Discord at ZachW. Now, Peter. You can find me on Twitter at I Have Fury, or email me, PeterT, at RPGFan.com. Now to finish off this five-person Sentai roll call, uh, my name is Mike Solosi. You can find me on Twitter at The Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs other times, and on RPG Fans Discord as Monsoon Mike. Uh, this was a long one, folks. Um, but let's uh, before we sign off for real, let's go over what the official RPG Fans Retro Encounter Essential 10 are. Starting with the 2016-10 Castlevania Symphony of the Night, Chrono Trigger, Diablo 3, Final Fantasy VI, Kingdom Hearts, Mass Effect 2, 999, 9 Hours, 9 Persons, 9 Doors, Persona 4 Golden, Steambot Chronicles, Xenoblade Chronicles, and now in order of selection, the 2021 Essential 10, Near Automata, Final Fantasy 14, Final Fantasy Tactics, Skies of Arcadia, Bloodborne, Dragon Quest XI, Mother 3, Suikoden 2, Undertale, and Disco Elysium. Thank you. Good night. And good luck. I miss Yakuza Zero. Oh